0: And welcome to Full Marks. I'm Ian Boothby.
1: And I'm David Dedrick.
0: And today on the show we're going to be talking about horse feathers. Indeed. Yeah, that's true. Indeed. That is the deed we will do. <laughs> uh, we, If you're new to the show, here's what happens. Uh, we've been going through every Marx Brothers movie. Uh, Dave, that's true. Dave uh, tells you a little bit of context. It was where the Marx Brothers... Uh, Mark, br- 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 sorry about that. <laughs> My mouth failed me like 30 seconds into the podcast. I apologize. Uh, that may happen many times along the way. Uh, he will fill you in on the history of of the Marx Brothers, and a little bit of context for for the film. Then we're going to go over the film itself. Yep. Uh, it's your choice whether or not you want to watch the film first and then listen. Listen afterwards. Uh, don't do it during. That will be confusing to you. That's a, that's a whole mess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, it's weird with Marx Brothers films, you, you, you don't want to say uh, don't make any spoilers because it's hard to spoil a Marx Brothers film because there's so many jokes in it.
1: Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm.
0: They're unspoilable.
1: They're, well, yeah. Yeah. They're unspoilable. Although I think it's fun to watch them afresh if you can, which it's been sort of fun for me because it's been a while since I've watched Horse Feathers. Uh, quite a while. So it was kind of fun to watch it and just be like, oh, yeah. Oh, hmm. oh that part. Oh, <laughs> yep."
0: And that's what comedians want is a reaction. They want people going, "Ah."
1: Huh. Well, you know, I watch them by myself and I find if I'm in a group of people, I will laugh. But if I'm by myself, I don't laugh as much. Oh, that's interesting. I, yeah, I, I laughter tend to be, is contagious. I tend to, I'll laugh a little bit, but I don't. I'll, I'll laugh way more if, if I watch it with a group.
0: Uh, and we'd like to thank again our guest uh, last week, Mary uh, Dedrick. Yes, who helped my, us out with uh, my daughter with Monkey Business. That's true. That is how you are related. <laughs> uh, we're, you know, like the Marx Brothers are a family. That made sense to have a little bit of family there. But <laughs> we're back to just being uh, a two-person show yes. this time around. Yeah. Uh, and one of Mary's complaints last time was. It's called Monkey Business. There weren't any monkeys. Yeah. There was some business.
1: There was some business.
0: And in this in this time, I thought for a, a bit, like, oh, there's no horses. But there is a horse. Mm-hmm. There's actually a horse in it, but it doesn't focus on horses in any way. No. Horse feathers was just a, a term at the time for nonsense.
1: For nonsense, yeah. Actually, invented by the author of Barney Google, the comic strip Barney Google. That's where it was it first appeared. It's hard to believe there was once a time where uh, comic strips were so uh, influential that they could change language. You know, like the Jeep from Popeye mm-hmm. becoming the actual Jeep. Right. The idea of saying naturally uh, came from Little Abner. Right. The invention of the Sadie Hawkins Day dance is another Little Abner invention. It's just interesting to me that there was a time when people, you know, in comics had that kind of uh, social influence. I think it would be very difficult nowadays for, for comics to have that, or comic strips to have yeah. that sort of...
0: I mean, now we have so many uh, TV shows and, and films based on comic books. <laughs> yeah. But uh, very few... Uh, based on comic strips yeah yeah i don't think uh you know I'm trying to think of something that garfield would have uh, influenced but nope well his hatred of mondays has really caught
1: on but i think and that probably was...
0: lasagna sales have gone up
1: <laughs> but i think his hatred of of uh his hatred of mondays was a reflection of our culture our work culture you know the idea so it was like well it'd be good to say that because you could sell them as mugs you know that's not a Anyway, I think we've gone way off the topic. but That's okay.
0: That's okay. Uh, what we're saying is, uh, listen to our Barney Google uh, <laughs> podcast. Uh, the spark plugs coming out
1: pretty it. soon. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty. That's a good name for it. Too. We're going to do film number four, Horse Feathers, which came out in 1932. Uh, it was re- released August the 10th, 1932, and I found out this is I. It's hard to find this information, uh, but it cost $681,000 to make this movie.
0: Okay, how does that compare to the uh, previous film? As I say, it's
1: hard to get that information, so actually I don't know what it cost for... Um, I, I was interested about what monkey business would have cost, but I imagine it would have been about the same. Uh, it was pretty much... A, a, a. Mary described it as a bottle episode, and that's kind of true. It was on a ship. Most of the film was right. had one set. I mean, it was a series of sets, but really you just had to redecorate... Us, the you know the the ships with
0: the exception deck. of a mansion and then uh, and then a barn mm-hmm, yes mm-hmm. whereas there in this one uh, there's actually locations yeah and there's yeah. A, there's a whole bunch of outdoor uh, physical comedy business in it that wasn't in any of the previous films it was a very different tone uh, yeah. than the previous Marx Brothers films for
1: sure and it's sort of a case of be careful what you wish for is, in the sense of you didn't want a plot well here's a movie that has no plot you mm. wanted you wanted a movie that had no you know, just it was all jokes. This is a movie. this is one for you right. It's really... I was
0: thinking that too. And you know, if we're just gonna talk generally about sure. things, sure I, I I do think there's some uh, some great bits, great bits mm-hmm. in this and and very catchy songs as well. yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure the whole thing hangs together. Uh, as one unit sure. I feel like it's a buffet with many delicious items That maybe shouldn't be next door to each other <laughs> right. But thematically It's here's college life Yeah, You know so that all works It's like here's a lecture at college And we're mm-hmm. in college and mm-hmm. uh, we're leading up to the football We're gonna get some football players And uh, here's the football You, you yeah. would think like if you looked at the plot Well this all works linearly But then you <laughs> see it all in front of you And it doesn't seem to be the same movie Even though yeah. it does move yeah. in a much more uh, solid direction Like the thing that's mentioned At the beginning of the movie Is paid off at the end But uh, it, it doesn't feel like it It <laughs> is And yet it doesn't feel
1: like it's it It's very It's a very It's a It's a very Interesting film Because it It has a kind of A a dreamlike element to it A very kind of Floating in space feeling To me when mm-hmm. you watch When you watch Horse Feathers Right But Oh by the so, way
0: oh, uh, Also a warning to our listeners There will be many sirens Going by
1: mm-hmm. Seems with more because traffic people need help there's just more traffic on the roads these days yep. and, and more accidents, it seems, all the time. So
0: please, uh, if you're listening to this while driving, be careful. Yeah, be very
1: careful. All right. So it's interesting because the idea of putting the... Brothers, like you say, it was in... this is based in a, in a college, a so-called college. Let's call it that because really it's someone's idea of what college is. It's not... In, in no way would this be like... If you went to college, there's, n- there's not professors who walk around constantly wearing mortarboards and gowns with, with these sort of uh, big, beards. Big, big beards and cartoon beards. And stuff. It's really a cartoon version of college. Maybe that adds to the element, of uh, the right. dreamlike element of the film. Well,
0: it reminds me of all the cartoons you saw, the the old mm-hmm. Looney Tunes cartoons. If it was college, yeah. there would always be someone in a beanie with yeah. a pennant yeah. with yeah. a big fur coat. Yeah. Yeah. That would be always the case. Sure. I don't know where that comes from. I yeah. don't know when it left. <laughs> but for uh, enough of a period of time, yes. that was college.
1: It became, yeah. And then if you you show a, if you show a, a college professor, you know, like nowadays we would have them in a in a tweed jacket with leather patches on the elbow, and you'd go, ah, college professor. In those days, though, they had to be wearing a full length black gown, a mortarboard, as if they had just graduated yeah. constantly, and then obviously glasses and a and a full beard or some sort of facial hair, because facial hair marked you as as a as a intellect intellectual. Sure. In those days, most people were were, were clean shaven. And they had jobs to do they had jobs to do and it was it was the it was the long hair set the yeah. the artistic set who could have long hair and these and facial and facial uh, adornment uh but the, so the idea of putting the Marx brothers into college was floating around before monkey business actually so there had been talk in like as early as 1927 of doing like a sort of a college based uh Mark's brothers' film. It makes
0: sense. You got pretty girls. You have got authority figures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of lots to play with.
1: That. And it it's a calls back to the earliest, school, the earliest school yeah. days. They're they're fun and fun at high fun in high school fun. Uh, Harper was actually quoted in the New Yorker in 1931 while they were promoting uh, Monkey Business and saying that their next film would be a college picture, uh, but he jokingly added that it would be called um, the Marx Brothers at Vassar, which was of course at all girls college. <laughs> so that was. Although when I was thinking about that, I was thinking that would actually be really good. Yeah. The Marx Brothers, uh, like if it involved an all-girls college, that would be even better. But uh, I guess because this film, uh, it takes place, it was filmed before the production code, before the Hayes Office started in Hollywood, so it still could be pretty. They could still allow for some risque fun and stuff like that. And so it would have been sort of interesting if it had have been been an all-girl college and and that sort of thing would have been kind of interesting. Uh so now here's an interesting thing and it's mentioned in a book I was reading and there's this was a writer his name is Ben Granite G R A N E T and he claimed to have given the idea for the stowaways for monkey business and the college idea for for um horse feathers before like before these films were written by Perelman and Sheikman and everyone and he actually received some kind of uh, compensation in that he was given script writing, for, not for the Marx Brothers, but for someone else. And he got to write some scripts for someone. And so I have no idea if the, it was just like kind of a get rid of this nuisance situation. Mm. But apparently he was f- friends with Groucho as well. And and, and so it's weird. like It's just, it's strange. So he's not credited in, 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 in most things you read. I've never re- read his name, but in one of the books I was looking at, it mentions this guy. And it's sort of sort of interesting. And I don't know like, you know, the Marx Brothers at college, well... You know, it is. It is an interesting idea. It's just. It's not. I feel like with monkey business and horse feathers, that the writers were still drawing from the Marx Brothers' career in order to like fill fill. That get material for the movies. Sure. That it was. It's so tricky to write for them that you're sort of tempted to keep circling the same same area for them. One thing that happened though was because of the kidnapping of the of the Lindbergh baby, is it it kind of drove gangsters out of the movies for a while right so because it, no one wanted to because it was just such a shocking so is this event
0: before or after uh the Lindbergh kidnapping this
1: is this would have been after yeah okay yeah, so there film. are
0: there are kidnappers in this
1: there are kidnappers in the film that's yeah. right yeah but not but not uh but not gangsters and i guess that was the the that there was there were the weird gangsters
0: thing. earlier early in the film there's a scene with uh some gangsters aren't they at the at the bar Talking about so, who are those? Who are those guys that are planning the uh, planning everything? Who are the Who are the heavies? Off the, the beginning
1: football. You mean the football players? Are they the, the football players? Yeah.
0: No, for some reason I thought they were gangsters.
1: They just look like gangsters. To well, me. they. Well, Matt Pendleton, who's one of the one of the actors who plays, I mean, he played gangsters and heavies in movies oh, okay. for a long time, for, like forever. Like you can watch so many movies that were made through the 30s and 40s, and they'll, not Pendleton will be in it, either playing a dumb policeman or a dumb gangster.
0: You know, and that's on me. Here's the thing. When I see someone on uh, in a Marx Brothers movie who's not one of the Marx Brothers, I may tune out a little bit.
1: <laughs> is that right?
0: Because it's like, this is plot, and mm. it's not really necessary, mm-hmm. and uh, we're just get, waiting to get to the funny bits. So that's a bad thing on my part. Thought they might have been. But yeah, it still was weird to me sorry they'll jump a little ahead that were rooting for the kidnappers yeah you don't often get that in a movie
1: yeah yeah so uh this Ben granite besides or put him aside for a little bit all right many people feel that the college idea originated with SJ Perelman because Perelman actually went to university or went to college he went I think he went to Yale and um, he kind of brings his own kind of his own kind of concerns into the film like because he was when he was Going to college, he wrote for a, a magazine, a humor magazine at the at the college called the Brown Jug, and most of his articles concerned the education versus sports. Because this at this time, like the 30s and 40s, you were just starting to see uh, college athletic programs beginning to kind of coalesce and start to dominate schools the way they are now. Like most schools nowadays are, it's yeah. pretty much you know college football and then followed by a close, uh, not even close, like a distant second education you know like so so this time and in fact there's there's that um james thurber uh play i think you wrote, wrote with elliot nugent it was also a movie with henry fonda called the male animal and it's kind of a film it has two kind of elements too there's sort of the beginning talking about the beginnings of like um uh you know sort of the red scare on campuses with this, this guy who's uh, henry fonda is going to read this speech from from uh the um from one of the Sacco and Vanzetti do you know that those they're no, like I don't two kind it. of they're very early kind of anarchist terrorists okay. and and they he was they're condemned to death and he wrote this he wrote this kind of plea like this letter it's
0: too bad cuz that would have been a good comedy team name
1: yeah and uh and so in the play and in the movie he's going to read this 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 story or this speech as an example of of good um you know good writing for this English class but it's because of the the political element of it everyone's you know he's getting all this trouble for it and then he's sort of digging in his heels and insisting that he's going to read it also part of this is like the return of this old college jock who's come back to the school for homecoming and and he used to be you know and blah, blah blah so there has this kind of element of sports versus the intellectuals in in the college life and then this element of free it's quite a it's quite a good uh uh movie and also it puts down straws in the film which i really appreciate it's one of my favorite puts uh, down straws. Yeah, one of the characters says uh he's talking to Henry Fawn of this young man and he says he says, I saw them at this diner and they were drinking Cokes with straws. And he's all uh, he's all offended at the idea that someone would be drinking okay. strong words. Yeah. I thought they You were know really...
0: what? Ahead of his time. People don't like straws anymore. Yeah, all I right, know. Fair well, enough. You
1: know. I've been on the anti straw thing for a long time, so I always appreciated that. All
0: right. Well I always thought your arguments were a bit of a <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway.
1: Uh, I always my straw man arguments. Yeah, that so... would
0: be you don't need to say it. We're I... all we're all clever here. I guess let so. the nice folks figure it out. Sure, I should All have.
1: Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm gonna edit that out. Now, as opposed to the writing a monkey business, which seemed like like a bit of a, a mess, the the process for for the um, horse feathers actually much more streamlined because everyone kind of they kind of felt like, oh, we figured out how to write a for their film, and we, and we know the people we're gonna use for it. You mm-hmm. know, so Perelman was involved with it, uh, Sheikman was involved in it, Will Johnston was involved with it. The only change was they brought in Bert Kelmar and Harry Ruby, who had written the songs for Animal Crackers, were brought into the film. Not just to write songs, but they're actually brought in as script writers. So they, oh, right. they, they also were gag writers for the film. And it's weird, and maybe it's no accident, that the two films that Kelmar and Ruby were involved in are both the the most kind of out there films with the least amount of plot or sensibility or sense to them. The least rational films, the most kind of surreal and dreamlike. And which wasn't their characters at all, and in fact, movies they the movies they wrote for their people. They wrote for uh, Eddie Cantor, they wrote for Wheeler and Woolsey. Those their most movies are very normal, very normal films. Uh, but for some reason, the Marx Brothers brought out like the most the strangest element to the to their. And it, I, I put it to them because Monkey Business is fairly straight ahead compared to Horse Feathers. Yes. And in terms of plot, in terms of how jokes work in it. So S. J. Perelman they kind of replaced Perelman because Perelman was there at the beginning of the the getting the kind of getting the story set and stuff like that and then he didn't want to go to california to do more writing so he stayed in new york and everyone else went west now the Marxes were actually in new york in january of 1932 because they weren't doing any movies and they got an offer to to do some vaudeville and so they were so they did a uh like an eight-week tour and they got ten thousand five hundred dollars a week and uh They basically toured what remained of the of the RKO vaudeville circuit because everything was kind of starting to end at this point. So they they did a they did their shows in St. Louis, Columbus, Cincinnati, Chicago, Cleveland, Buffalo, and then New York. So they and they just went from place to place and did like a week stay or you know however long they figured they could make it work. And like I say, they received ten thousand five hundred dollars. And as usual, by this point. Their stage appearances. This relied on past glories from their old stage shows. So in this case, they did an expanded and revised version of the Napoleon scene from Alsatia's, which they called Napoleon's Return, and they actually used the original actress from Alsatia's, whose name was Carlotta Miles. So okay. she, they, she she hadn't been you know acted with them since 1925, and they just figured out that what the a
0: heck, real name or was that a pun?
1: Carlotta Miles.
0: Yeah, is it a pun name? Or I it? don't
1: think it was a. Pun name? Why?
0: think cuz it's a car a ca- lot of miles I'll call it
1: car lot of miles
0: car with a lot of miles mm-hmm. it seems like something you'd say with like yeah. if there's an older woman yeah. you go that's a car with a lot of miles yeah. car lot of miles
1: car lot of miles yeah maybe i don't know uh, it's hard to say i mean Hollywood the answer at that time? is
0: no but that's uh, yeah. but it would be a good pun that's name it's a good
1: so then what's interesting to, uh, what's interesting is they were when they were in new york they were doing they started a, a two week stay at the prestigious palace theater All right. which is kind of like the the jewel in the crown of the rca circuit but then uh, this guy named Martin Beck, who hated the Marx Brothers, was the manager there, mm-hmm. and he cut. They cut their state They cut their their time there in half, oh, and move, moved them to a different theater in Brooklyn called the Albi. I think he was hoping that the snub would make them quit. But of course, they're just like, I don't. We don't care. We'll just do the shows there and get. They're getting paid the same. they are getting amount, paid right? the same amount of money. Yeah. Of they, yeah, yeah, yeah. So their final performance was on January fourteenth, nineteen thirty-two, and that was the absolute end of their vaudeville career. They oh, never okay. would. They never would step on a vaudeville stage again.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, you burn through all the old material. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. do new material on a vaudeville stage when you yeah. could put it into a
1: film. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. no sense, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So during their stay in New York, uh, the Marxes, Herman Mankiewicz. Uh, I'm going to go with Mankiewicz this week. I went with Mankiewicz last week. I'm changing it up to Mankiewicz this week.
0: You be you. Yeah.
1: Perelman, Willby Johnstone, and Kelmar and Ruby spent some time together collecting material into like a vague sort of storyline for the film. Then the Marxes left for Hollywood by plane, and the writers—minus Perelman and the P- manke Man- 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 mm-hmm. uh, followed by train. So, uh, so they all kind of went back to California and started working on the film. And so, in the end, the script was written by Burke Helmer, Harry Ruby, S.J. Perelman, and Will Johnstone, who mostly his thing was mostly just working with Harpo and developing gags for Harpo. That was her thing. So, so even if like the writers kind of produced. You know, their own kind of idea of gags for Harpo in the film. Usually, Harpo and, and a, a gag guy would work together and kind of create their own, his own material for it. Cause mostly because Harpo could, knew his character better. And so he could, you know, he could play himself more as he was. Right. Other people would tend to want to slightly change the character. For instance, in Horse Feathers, there's a scene where he is blocking traffic with his, with his dog wagon because he's sitting and eating a banana. In the in the original script, he blocks traffic because he his donkey is being stubborn, and then he just acts like an idiot and is you know falling in something all over the place, and you know trying to instead of getting on the donkey, tries to climb onto a woman's back and things like that, and it's just it's not his character because he's not a he's not dumb, no. he's he's just doesn't talk.
0: Right, but he's know? also got a sweetness to him, and he's I think the, yeah. I think the difference between Harpo in this film and the previous Harpos, well, with. The Exception of maybe the end of uh, what was the second one? To, what's the one where like Animal everyone crackers? gets knocked out? Animal Crackers, right? There's a, there's a sweet ending for him in, in that one, but he's he's they really play up the sweetness in here, you know? They have him cry at one point, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's just like he, they really pull up the heartstrings. I say yeah. this is this is the this is the film where I felt like when I saw Harpo. He was a clown. And yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that is like he's actually doing clowning. He's like bringing up emotions as well as uh, uh, gags. Yeah. More, yeah. more so than previously. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with that horse scene.
1: Mm hmm. Mm mm-hmm. uh, And then one other writer, which was Arthur Sheikman, who didn't work on the screenplay as it was being written, but came in after mostly the, as a gag man for Groucho because Groucho would always get bored of his material and demand new jokes. Sure for another reason that he was bored with it. Like, no one else had heard it, of course. So all this great material would just go to, the, go to the wind because yep. because Groucho was bored. Um, Norman MacLeod was brought in again as director. Uh, but I think that, you know, his kind of quiet authority, which is what he, car- he had, he said... He, now, what did he direct before this? He directed Monkey Business. Monkey Business, all right. Uh, he described himself as being as loud as a mouse pissing on a blotter. That was his own description of himself. Okay. He was a very quiet man, but he had that kind of quietness that people would... Sp- quiet down to listen to but i think now that the brothers you know in the last film monkey business they were worried because this was their first film that wasn't based on a successful stage play with material that they were confident in this monkey business was entirely new with a lot of material that they weren't that confident in and but i think after the success of monkey business and it was considered it, it was very successful yeah it was uh both Monkey Business and Horse Feathers were the highest-grossing films for Paramount in their years, and so that's quite successful. And you know, and I think his authority became less effective because they had more self-confidence, and so they were less willing to listen to the director. Uh, And so filming started on so in either late March or early April in 1932. Now there's some dark clouds that are forming on the horizon. They're not necessarily affecting the Mark Feathers yet. But one of one of the top studio executives, his name was B.P. Schulberg, and his mentor and one of the company founders, Jesse Lasky, were fired from Paramount. Uh, Basically, they were they were uh, Lasky was blamed for the company's financial woes. But what happened was they were the result of Adolf Zukor, who was another founder of the company, who had been buying up theater chains for Paramount, but using overpriced stock in order to fund these purchases. Once the depression happened and everyone's trying to cash in these stocks, they're having to make up, they're having to pay, like, make out, get loans to pay pay for these stocks, to, you know, because people want to get their money back for them. So basically, by the time, by by 1933, the company went into receivership and in 1935 it went bankrupt because in 1930, it had an $18 million, de- uh, sorry, not deficit, profit, it had $18 million in profit. But by the time of 1932, it was $15 million in the hole. So, and that wasn't because of Schulberg or Lasky. That was because of Zucor. But because he was the head of the company, other people had to take the fall for yeah. him. And that's just how it was. So how it affected the Marx brothers was that they lost two of their biggest supporters in the company. Like Lasky was basically the one who brought them in for coconuts. He was the one who wanted them for, uh, for coconuts and and brought in. Chico or Zeppo, depending what story you read, to convince Jesse Lasky to, to or sorry, to convince Zucor to sign them. And and so he was gone. And Schulberg also was a big supporter, so he was gone as well. So that's sort of in the horizon.
0: Now when they're uh when they're filming this,
1: yeah.
0: had uh had Monkey Business come out already?
1: Yes. Or were they, yeah. it, it had already come
0: out. Yeah. So it was already it, and yeah. Did they know it was their number one film of the year? Hmm? Okay, yeah, yeah. It just feels like that would have given them a lot more room to like. They, I, 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 it's good they got supporters. Yeah, yeah. But there's no better supporter than success and just going. We were your number one movie last year. Mm-hmm. Let us, let us do the film with the same director and the you, same cast that got you number one last year.
1: You'd, you'd think that was the I case, would think but,
0: that, and I'm going but to.
1: if you look at the history of Hollywood, there's actually a lot of instances where movies are purposefully sabotaged by yeah. by new by the new management in order to make the old management look bad, you know. And so it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with the studio. Like they don't care about the product. They care about themselves. Mm-hmm. So they're acting in their own interest. They're not acting in the studio or in the... Which, in which, the,
0: which again, feels feels dumb to me because the thing that's going to keep you in your job as you go along is making money. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. For sure. Maybe, a, maybe some Oscars, maybe some prestige, but, perhaps. But, yeah, if, if you've got a cash cow... Sure. ...stop... Stop trying to you know milk things that aren't the wrong bits,
1: <laughs> yeah, but if, right you, bits. if you if you don't the right bits yeah, if you don't think that cash cow is good, then you're not going to want to
0: but you still want the cash coming out of the cow mm-hmm. you're not going to put away the cow if it's money there's lots of cows out,
1: of out there, lots of cows, yeah, not a lot that money not, coming out of them though not not every. You know, not every cow, if you have a cow that's really, you know, it's always kicking the let's holes in Let's keep going, the, let's keep
0: going with this cow, uh, <laughs> if you have cows, cows, cow, cow situation. Kicking,
1: kicking holes in the barn and making, making, knocking over the bucket of milk all the time. That's right. But the bucket of milk, you so could if it's
0: knocking over is full of cash, you'd still go, <laughs> I like that cow.
1: Uh, now the Marxists were, it's interesting because this time they were one of the few acts in Hollywood that had a participation contract. So they would receive a, a, a percentage of the profits of the film. Okay. But even though Monkey Business was a huge box office hit, the movie was Paramount was showing the movie as not making any money, so they weren't. So this is what. Well, that's
0: a Hollywood trick as well.
1: This, <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, and then um, there was uh, one other thing, which the, at this time the Marxists were being sued by their former agents, the William Morris Agency, for uh, because they were suing them for twenty thousand dollars, which they felt was due as a commission for for on Monkey Business based on the agency's negotiations they're basing this in the negotiation the 1928 contract with paramount but they're ignoring the fact that the contract had expired in 1930 and had the new contract was negotiated by the marx brothers without uh william morris being involved so so they were countersuing william morris so this is all kind of going on as we're coming into horse feathers right but when you look at the state of paramount at the time you can see why they're eager for the marx brothers to keep making movies but um, because Monkey Business was a huge hit, so that means Horse Feathers is going to be a huge hit. So one other problem happened just as uh, just after filming began, uh, Chico or Chico injured himself quite seriously when he when he collided with a car waiting at a red light, oh. on Wilshire Boulevard, and uh, he fractured his kneecap and broke a few ribs. And so he, uh, shooting had to be delayed until June, and Chico could barely walk when he was doing the film. Like even during filming, he could barely walk. So there's a lot of scenes where he's just sitting down, right? Because he couldn't walk.
0: Yeah, there's a big fight scene where he literally just goes and sits down. Yeah, and is just watching stuff happen to Harpo and commenting on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in the previous movie, he was the guy who was getting socked in the face <laughs> and doing the amazing backwards uh, pratfalls.
1: Yeah, if that was him, that might have been a stuntman. Might have been. Um. So uh, yeah. So. So a lot of the, like in the football game, there's there's a double who's doubling for him, like during during the football action and stuff. Uh, And that was again a
0: lot of him sitting on the grass.
1: So what's interesting about Horse Feathers to me is it's one of the it's the Marcus Brothers film that it's the was the most criticized for bad taste at its at the time, Hmm. Uh, because the film took a lot of advantage of its pre code the kind of pre code climate. When did the code come in? I think in 35.
0: Okay, so this is the last one they did before the code
1: came nope, in. No, they would have done... Uh, duck Soup would have been pre-coded oh, okay, as well. Okay, all right. Um, so... <laughs> Sorry. So this, I was so, just thinking,
0: because Duck Soup's good when you have a code. Anyway, that's kind of a little joke for you, <laughs> you Enjoy. All right, Thanks. let's move on. <laughs> Thanks.
1: So by that, Duck Soup... So your nose is plugged up, so you can't say Duck. So it's a Nuck Soup? Is that what it is? Sure. Okay. Uh, this So... The film actually had, a, there was a lot of censorship of the film, not in its initial release, but it was re-released later on, and a lot of parts were cut out of it to make it acceptable for TV and, or, or uh, theatrical re- release.
0: So the version that we see nowadays, is missing, like yeah, it's missing it's scenes. missing those scenes. Missing scenes, yeah, oh, yeah. Annoying.
1: And there, and there's apparently no extant version of, of the full film. So there was a, apparently in the fifties, there was a full version that was touring around in England. But no one's been able to locate it.
0: So that's why the, well, the version we saw doesn't really have the racy material in it. That's right. Okay. That's why I'm you're thinking, kind of surprised. Like, I can't like, think of mm. anything that's like racy in here.
1: But okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, here's a, for instance, there was a gag um, uh, in which uh, Harpo lures stray dogs by setting up uh, um, by setting up fake lampposts. Okay. And it has large posts for for big dogs and small ones for for little dogs. Yeah. And that was cut out of the film because that's, that's the pee joke. Because yeah, it's a pee joke. Okay. Can't have that kind of stuff going on. Uh, and I think the film also suffered from McLeod maybe having enough of it all, and he just didn't push to, you know, to have the push to get some sort of sense to, to what was happening in some scenes. He talks about in, um, there's that interview we talked about last with Monkey Business where he says there are times when they'll just sort of take over the scene and let it run on. And, you know, I just let them do that. Sometimes the best stuff comes out that way, but then he would edit edit it down. But it feels like he doesn't have the energy to like edit down these these sequences. So a lot of times, there's just scenes that just end. They'll just end without mm-hmm. any reason or sense to them.
0: And we'll get to it, but there's a scene that ends uh, a couple of beats too late.
1: hmm Yeah. All right, well, let's let's go through the film and we can, sure, sure. We can make our comments as we go there. Uh, a
0: little animated opening. Yeah, it's uh, good. It was pretty good. Not yeah. as good to me as the monkey business rolling out the girls, no, which that was is like great. a really great yeah. uh, one. So yeah. you saw the cartoon images of the Marx Brothers, and then uh, the horse laughed,
1: Yeah, and yeah. we began. But it was really kind of the crudest character of the Marx Brothers. Like the Thelma Todd one, you wonder if she was sitting in the theater just like cringing like, why would they draw me like that? I don't look like that. No wonder she gassed herself. The film opens with, was that too much?
0: I don't know. Let's talk about, let's see what the Hades Coast thinks. <laughs> Oh, eh. no, they're, no, they're fine with it.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. It's all right. You can say that, that joke. Okay. Uh, so, the film opens uh, with Huxley College welcoming its incoming president. Right. Uh, they,
0: seen, they seem to have learned we don't need anything uh, no. before we get to the meat of the matter. Yeah. You know, I mean, previous movies have had, let's have a little musical number, and then eventually we're going to bring in Groucho. Mm-hmm. Bring in Groucho. Yeah. It's like the movie almost starts with like, hey, everybody, here's Groucho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, wind him up and let him go. Yeah. Starts off with him shaving.
1: Professor. Spit. His name for this movie is Professor Quincy Adams Wagstaff. Oh,
0: okay. Is the, yeah, it's a funny name.
1: Uh, so we get the speech from the retiring president, played by Reginald Barlow, who uh, was an actor who worked on both stage and screen until, until the 1930s. He's a pretty old guy. So he's, he's in The Bride of Frankenstein, which I was sort of interested. Oh, is that right? And what, what I thought was most interesting about him was that uh, he's apparently kind of a dashing figure. He fought and commanded in three wars. Uh, the Spanish-American War, the Second Boer War, and World War One, And he was also accused of bigamy by his mother-in-law mm-hmm. before he married. He was completely exonerated, but I guess she didn't like him. And so accused him of, of already having married. Why are you, why are you smiling?
0: Well, I'm just thinking of jokes in my head.
1: <laughs> You're allowed to say them.
0: Okay, any war he was in was a Boer War.
1: <laughs> oh. after So... After he finishes shaving, Mm -hmm. Wagstaff gives a speech telling the college staff that he has come to get his son, Frank, who is not following his studies but instead making time with college girls. And it's a great reveal. Yes, it is. Hello, old man.
0: Yeah, the uh, the the girl's uh, standing up and revealing him. Yeah, underneath. Yeah, uh, which you know, there was a great reveal like that in the last movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, they've uh, they found a, a fresh a fresh take on it. Sure, I gotta say, with the fellow that you're saying was uh, so dashing. I'm sorry, I forget his name, uh, and there's no way of looking it up now. Don't even look back. Uh, <laughs> but again, it makes me go, Margaret Dumont really knows how to work with Groucho. Yeah, because there's moments where. He's not because sure, he's playing the same beat that she normally does, mm-hmm. which is that I'm so thrilled to have this person here. Yeah. what did he just say? I'm back to being happy that he said, did he just insult me? Wait a minute. He went too far. no wait, I love I love him. He's fantastic. Yeah, and that's the beat that he's playing. you got to change it so fast mm-hmm. and, and and it's so difficult to do, and he he does it okay, yeah, but he's no, uh, he's no Dumont.:
1: He's no Dumont. and uh, maybe Margaret Dumont, having acted with him on stage for so long. Had the instincts for that for that part, yeah, you know, and I think McLeod Mac- had trouble directing the Marx Brothers in terms of their comedy because he didn't understand it. He felt that it should the humor should be more underlined. So I think that's why, like the party sequence in M- Monkey Business, we get people laughing at Grocho's antics, rather than, which is the wrong reaction to what he's doing, right? But to McLeod, if people weren't laughing, the audience wouldn't know that it was funny, yeah. And that's a mistake, though, because you don't want people laughing at what the Marx Brothers are doing. What they're doing is so normal, is either so normal to people that they don't need to react to it. It's weird to us as the audience, so it's funny to us. Or it's so strange to people that they just don't don't react to it. We don't really know. It can go either way. It's a
0: tricky comedy beat right off the Mm -hmm. top because, okay, Groucho, you know, we've got... First of all, with Groucho, you need the stiffs. Yeah. And he's got to be bouncing off the stiffs. Yeah. So the stiffs are... Uh, the retiring president and the other uh, professors. Mm-hmm. Those are the stiffs. Then you got the young people who yeah. are out there and yeah. some pretty girls and young young fellas. And it's like uh, when Groucho is doing his thing, are the are the young people laughing? But the stiffs not laughing. Mm-hmm. Are the stiffs laughing because they want to pretend that they're uh, this guy is you know they yeah. get, they get it and then they and the and the young people are confused. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah. And it's never yeah. really settled. Well, how does everyone feel about this mm-hmm. situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's uh yeah it's.
0: And and the and the, and the and the and the real truth of the matter is it doesn't matter they're just window dressing. Yes, exactly. They might exactly as well right. be a bunch of mannequins, you know. <laughs> with the exception of the one guy reacting a little bit. Yeah. Uh, because who cares? There are mm-hmm. a bunch of mannequins with beards. This would still be fine. Yeah. Uh, Grouch, we're just watching Groucher do his, his yeah, business, do his thing. He's doing a monologue. Sure.
1: Yeah, that's basically what it is—a pun-filled monologue. Uh, so, Wagstaff expresses his philosophy and governing uh, style. In two fine Calmer and Ruby songs, what being, of course, I'm Against It. Yeah. And then I Always Get My Man. Two fun songs. And apparently, there is a $400 check that was paid to a certain Buzz Berkeley. So I don't know if Buzz Buzz Berkeley was brought in to do some some choreography.
0: Because it seems, well, with the exception of Groucho doing his Groucho dance. Yeah. It's them uh, following him around in a circle, wagging their fingers. Yeah, that's about it. Which, again, that was a little bit of a weird move where it's like, it's Groucho are they all scold are they scolding groucho but Groucho's yeah. doing it what's yeah. this
1: move it's yeah. a weird it's, it's an odd a, it's move it's strange yeah it's a sc-
0: it's a school move for sure yeah now here's here's my question do you think that it needed the i always get my man song
1: do you think the the, the movie needed it yeah no
0: i don't either i think i think the song uh, i'm against it yeah that's great and that sets up mm-hmm. everything that you want to know about him Yeah. perfect great song yeah second song it's okay but unfortunately, it followed this great song yeah. and in the same scene. So what are what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah. Is it all going to be musical? Nope, we're going to drop that later. <laughs> so what are we doing?
1: Uh, I mean, the of the films often have music in some w- weird way. Like they were they were kind of quasi musicals. I mean, Monkey Business would be the one film that doesn't fall in under that. Sure. You know, like all the other movies have elements of music. Mostly because there were carryovers from the musical theater of of the Coconuts and Animal Crackers, which were much longer plays sure. than the movies and had way more yeah, music in them. Filler, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: But what does like I'm always like I'm against it. That's a great. Yeah, character. that's great. I know, I agree with that's you. Very, that's very close in tone to me to Hello, I Must Be Going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's 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 going counter to everything. That's all great, but uh, I always get my man. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. It feels like that's a song. That if you wanted to throw it to the college widow, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, because she always gets her man. That makes sense. She sure, would sure. be the one who would sing this. That would be good. You know, if he sang it, then she sang, or if she sang it, then he sang it. Then mm-hmm. it's also funny. But uh, I don't, I don't know. As Groucho, I don't, I don't know what that song buys us. Yeah. I don't know what it reveals of character, and it's not that funny. So boo on that one for me.
1: Oh, I enjoyed the song. So. Very
0: good. I'm glad you did. Yeah. I just thought that was wasn't necessary.
1: <laughs> uh, so after the ceremony. Frank congratulates his father, but Wagstaff is mad at Frank for spending too much time with the quote-unquote college widow.
0: Right, and a college widow is someone that dates uh, college students, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, one after the other.
1: Yes, yes, a single woman in a college town who uh, makes time with the boys. Sure. Uh, Which is... Obviously, a lar- a most- mostly forgotten expression nowadays. I don't I think- Very, many.
0: very forgotten to the point where I had to look it up <laughs> and look too. up a couple of different definitions. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Frank tells his father that Huxley needs a good football team and most importantly, good players. And then he tells his father that two such players, namely Mullen and McCarthy, can be found at a local speakeasy. So this movie was- took place, It still- there was still the uh, prohibition was on. It was on for another year, I think. I think the prohibition ended in 1933. So speakeasies and such things, which I've always kind of wondered, like, were audiences okay with talking about speakeasies? Because they were in every way illegal yeah, uh, established, drinking establishments. But then when you think about it, you go, well, probably most people in that time period really hated prohibition. When to speakeasies. Yeah. They were like a an open secret.
0: I mean, we're we're doing stuff to police officers later. You know, it's it's all anti authority. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the Marx Brothers are, so it makes sense. Sure. I also like his uh, banter back and forth with uh, with Zeppo, Groucho and Zeppo, which again feels like the uh, I'm against it, where um and no matter what uh Zeppo says, Yeah, he's got an argument, even <laughs> even if he was agreeing with it the second before. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah, it's fun.
1: Yeah, it is good. Uh so Wexler's By the way, making there, oops, him is,
0: Zeppo's father also works for me. Yeah, because Zeppo is finally like he like a little bit of what he was doing in Monkey Business. He's the romantic mm-hmm. kind of lead, yeah. If there is one in this, <laughs> it's and it, so called. Yeah, but it gives him something to do. Yeah, he's the, yeah. the good looking guy with an amazing profile, and we always <laughs> see him in that profile. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that works when you're talking to crazy dad, yeah. and and that gives him a reason to always want to talk to this guy and like please him and it gives the other uh, gives Groucher a reason to be so dismissive of him but want him around. So yeah, it works. It's a good dynamic.
1: Uh so yeah, so as i to say so Wagstaff resolves he's going to go to the, go to the speakeasy. Sure. So we cut to the speakeasy. Mm-hmm. And we see uh Mullen and McCarthy or who, who are being paid to to join Darwin, which I kind of like the there's a little bit of a fun joke there Darwin and Huxley, the two main major proponents of evolution yep. in the uh Victorian era, which is so, it's kind of, I just thought, sort of interesting, I was, what it made me look up was it made me look up the Scopes Monkey trial. Okay. Because I was wondering how concurrent it was with the film and whether it was something that was still a talking point at the time, right. but that was in 1920. 1920- the
0: original last movie was called Scopes Monkey Business. Yeah. And then they cut it down. That's right. It that was too long. It Yeah. Uh,
1: and they were no longer being promoted by Scopes. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Mouthwash. Yep. Uh, so... But it was in 1925, so I doubt it was still like on everyone's lips. That
0: but it sounds collegey. It does sound it collegey, like the yeah. Kind of it is, it's
1: yeah. a sort of a little in joke, probably by probably by Perelman. Uh, so yes, we see Mullen and McCarthy being paid to join Darwin, uh, which is Royal College to Huxley, uh, by Jennings. So uh, Mullen is played by an actor whose name was James Pierce, who was an actual college All-American football player. So he actually had experience as a football oh, right. player. Uh, and he was uh, kind of the fourth Tarzan, he acted in the fourth Tarzan film. Oh, all right. And actually was was basically hired by Edgar Rice Burroughs, who met him at a party, and was so impressed by him that he insisted that he play that they hire him to play Tarzan in this movie called Tarzan and the Golden Lion. And then later on, he played Tarzan with his wife, playing Jane, they, they were on radio for like 20 years. Oh, wow. Uh, doing Tarzan, yeah. Good gig. And McCarthy... Yep. Yeah. As, as I said earlier, is, is played by the great Nat Pendleton, who, uh, despite graduating from Columbia, which is a prestigious university, and you know, went into acting and just ended up playing goons and, and policemen and you know kind of uh, but he was a college wrestler, and he actually went to the 1920s Olympics and won silver.
0: Oh, great. He You're lost
1: on. one match, which would have been the, uh, the gold medal match. It was the only match that he lost in the, in the just too bad, he, too bad he lost, but he did get a silver, which is pretty good.: Yeah. Um,
0: How many silver medals do you have? From I have Olympics. from
1: the Olympics. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah, I man,
0: have... curling's easy, huh?
1: <laughs> I got them. I got them for lying. Uh, Jennings Jennings is, is uh, played by this actor named David Landau, who's interesting because he was a stage actor from 1919 to 1929, and then he began acting in films in 1931, and he only acted until he died in 1935. But he acted in 33 films in that time oh, wow. period. Wow! Doesn't that
0: seem crazy? That's so dense. Yeah. Yeah wonder he died oh my gosh yeah
1: i keep saying that now yep so one of the people in the uh one of the guys in the speakeasy one of the customers is a a guy named vince barnett who probably was the character who gets crushed in the deck chair in monkey business by harpo Mm. and comes out looking rather stunned yeah good good gag and he was one of those he was one of these people that just to me sound completely intolerable because he was like he made his living outside of doing little bit work and stuff like that in movies he made his living as an insulting waiter and so he would be hired he'd be hired by people who are hosting a party and he'd be there as like you know and he would start insulting one of the guests or he would you know you know what I mean
0: I've had similar gigs. Okay, go ahead.
1: This sounds terrible to me. Yeah,
0: we didn't say what our backgrounds were. Anyway, I've got a background doing performing and comedy, and and yeah, I occasionally get hired like, hey, I want you to go to a party, you and your friend, all right, and you guys be jerks. And (laughs) at the end of the party, we'll mention, hey, we hired those guys to be jerks, but no one likes that, and it's awful, and for some reason, they think that's a hilarious thing.
1: So yeah, there's a story of uh, Calmer and Ruby, who had finally got the script down to where they thought you know they thought this is this is it, this is like this is great. So they sure. said, We're gonna do a read through. And so the Marx Brothers came in, everyone's starting to read and so they start reading the script and then there's this voice from the back. He's going, What kind of junk is this? What kinda of garbage are they say t- these guys are no good. So this guy doing this this kind of weird voice and so it's this guy, this Vince Barnett's yeah. there. He's been brought in. And of course No one's reacting to it. They're all just sitting there listening to him. They're just like, what's going on? Like, who's this guy? Yeah.
0: Who's this? Why isn't someone asking him to leave?
1: Yeah. (laughs) But then there's another story. (laughs) Arthur Sheikman tells a story of this same guy being there. Yeah. And he cottoned on right away who this guy was. And so the guy would come over and say a lot of insulting things to him. And he would just be like, smile and agree and stuff like that and never like get upset. And so this guy kept trying to make him upset. And then people, but what made him more upset was that people kept coming up to him and saying, Hey, you know, that guy's not, he's not actually a real actor. He's just here to, uh, he's part of the, a prank. He's just insulting people. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So every day people would be, Hey, Arthur, don't worry about that guy. He's just, uh, he's just, you know, fuck, it's just a prank. He's just, you know, insulting yeah. people. It's just for fun. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I I get that. Yeah, <laughs> so by the end of it, he just hated the guy because people kept talking about it. Yeah, days. but anyway, wants so gets get
0: paid extra when he gets punched in the nose.
1: That's that's Vince Barnett. We also meet Baravelli, the Iceman. man. Yes, uh, it's Chico or Chico.
0: Yeah, he's got a name in this one.
1: He always has a name. No, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's no? Ravelli in uh, Animal Crackers. He's uh, Tony the Wop in the Coconuts, even though he's not named because that's that name.
0: Say- yeah. Okay. There you go. So you're saying like he's named if you know uh if you were around the set, but if no, you no, were no. just on the movie. If you went
1: to, if you went and saw the coconuts on stage, you, yeah. he, his character was in the program as okay, But in the well.
0: film. In the film because he's just Chico at the end. It's because Chico Marks.
1: Well because the it, you know, and by the time the movie came out it was no longer considered polite. Understood. To say but those Harpo and words.
0: Chico in a couple of the films did not have credited names in the in the credits at the end. Only
1: in only in Monkey Business. Okay. That's the only film. He's so pr- it sounds like I'm correct professor... in what I just said,
0: even though I felt like I was just correct. No, no, you
1: said, you said finally he has a name in a movie. Yeah. He's already had a name in other movies. He's Ravelli in, in Animal Crackers. Okay. A movie we've already seen. All right. Uh, and yes, you're right. We commented on Monkey Business that none of them had names in yep. that film, not even Groucho, who normally gets a name, whether it's a silly, you know, just a boring name, whatever it was in uh, Jane. No yeah, else?
0: normally he's got a really interesting name, Groucho.
1: But not in not in the coconuts. He just has kind yep, of a
0: that's right. They they're all just guys in barrels. Uh <laughs> off the off the get-go. No, no, no,
1: I meant in coconuts. His name isn't like interesting. It's not like a Rufus T Firefly or something like that. He's just he's just sh- Schlemmer.
0: Okay. Sounded just... kind of funny to me. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Apologies to any Schlemmers out there.
1: Yeah. Uh I like the prohibition gag with the, the two the two uh bottles of alcohol, and then he just takes out a big yeah. giant big giant bottle of which is probably like bathtub gin or some yep, sort of. Yeah, pours juice them, just, them in both. Pours them in after both. After
0: sounding very, very precise about, you know, <laughs> what do you want, lady? Okay. Yeah, I got him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that was a, a, a good gag at the time. Uh, then Barrivelli is put on door duty and with orders that customers have to give the password, Swordfish. Uh, Wagstaff arrives and is greeted by Barrivelli, who, of course, demands the password. But then, of course, Wagstaff has no idea. So he gives him a clue that it's a fish, which. That's a great joke. Yeah. Which is, is it Mary? <laughs> no, it's not Mary. Well, it's funny. She drinks like a fish. Which is great. It's a great joke.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of good back and forth between the two of them. Yes.
1: Uh, after several guesses, Berry simply tells Wagstaff the password. And Wagstaff guesses it easily. Then once Wagstaff is allowed in, Berry goes outside. They reverse, that, they reverse the rules. Yeah, they positions. reverse the rules, only to find that Wagstaff has changed the password. And then Wagstaff realizes he's forgotten the new password. So he goes outside. And then they're locked out. Uh, now, then Pinky... Or Harpo, uh, the dog catcher arrives. Dog catcher slays Iceman. Apparently, he has two jobs.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Don't need. We don't need to explain it. There's not that much money. His hat in... says dog catcher, so yeah. Let's take it as sometimes that, right? gives the password uh, with a uh, like his password with a dead fish and a sword. Yep. And is loud inside. And so then Wagstaff and Bear Valley sneak in on their hands and knees. Hey, that's not how you <laughs> enter a speakeasy. That's how you leave. Another great joke <laughs> in that sequence. I love uh, this was a gag that he and Johnstone. Uh, Develop, which is the him winning all this money out of the the, yeah. the jack the, out of the slot machine, and then from the phone, the phone. and then from the tr- the streetcar conductors' change change uh, you know change belt, whatever those things are called, those little money yeah. the change. Givers. I'd say change belt. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of fun there.
0: Yeah, he's a, he's the blessed fool. He will always win. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Which I like. Uh, I like, like the And the
0: he... guy being so frustrated watching this happen all the time. Is
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I like that he orders a scotch by dancing a jig. And then I also like that he pours the scotch into a, like little a dummy uh, glass yeah. yeah, that goes into his own little bottle. And he looks so pleased while he's doing it. He's just look, looking at everyone like, hey, look what I'm doing. It's great. <laughs> so Wagstaff does not realize that Jennings has already signed up Mullen and McCarthy and mistakes uh, Chico and Harpo for football players, really by the fact that they're there all the time. That was <laughs> the only thing he goes by. So then he then settles the bar tab by not paying for it.
0: Yeah, paying with a check for fifteen dollars and some odd cents. Well, oh, he says,
1: could you yeah, could, could you change you. a check for fifteen twenty yeah, two? And when
0: I have one, I'll, I'll bring yeah, it to yeah. you. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I love the, you. Know what I like about that? Mm-hmm. The specific amount.
1: Yes, fifteen dollars not, and it's not like
0: not like yeah. Uh, can you cash a check for fifteen that, dollars? That's what most people would go yeah, with. Yeah, but yeah, no, You add The cents to it. Mm-hmm. I was not like, well, it's very specific. <laughs> Specifics <laughs> make things funnier.
1: It's true. You're right. Now we cut to Zeppo. Going to visit Connie Bailey, the college widow widow. Sure.
0: A little sexy scene there.
1: Mm. Played uh, by played by the wonderful Thelma Todd, who is also in uh, monkey business. Right. Played the played Elkie Briggs' wife, Lucille. And she's, I like
0: uh, I like Zeppo tearing a little uh uh triangle of toast off and feeding it to her. Mm-hmm. Just a small little bit of business, which yeah. is like, yeah. hey, that's nice. That's a nice little something while he's mm-hmm. singing. It's like it's good
1: stuff. Yeah, we know that he was a bit of a ladies' man.
0: Yeah, there's something there,
1: yeah.
0: Sure. I, when I watched it, I went like, good for Zeppo. He's getting something to do. I was so happy for Zeppo. Mm-hmm.
1: He also gets to sing. He gets to sing the first... Uh, the straight first? version the straight of the version song. Of... And everyone gets to do the funny version, which yeah. is
0: a really interesting way of doing a song. Yeah, it is. Now, let's it? see it through all the different characters. Mm-hmm. That's that's just such a nice idea. Is like, they all have their own personalities. Let's have the same song, but through all, each of the brothers. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it, is, great. it is good,
1: yeah. Once again, written by Kelmar and Ruby. Uh, and I like... I just love that they brought that to these movies, you know, that you get their... I came in as a gagman, but they also brought in some really good songs. Yeah. Like, I know you didn't like I Always Get My Man. But but I did like that song. I like this one part. a lot. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. Also, uh, also the name of a Woody Allen movie. Mm-hmm. And sung in that movie as well. Uh, so, yeah, he sings to her. Then he tells her that his father wants him to give her up. And then we cut to Pinky. I mean, I'll say Pinky, whistling a little bit of everyone right. says, I love you, eating a banana while his restaurant... Uh, a banana that's in
0: uh, a, oh, a, a, zipper, zippered. <laughs> that's a zippered right. peel. That's
1: right.
0: Yeah, that's what I liked about that. was like yeah. Yeah, First of all, you get him just whistling the song, which is enough. That's great. It's very sweet. Then to a horse. Yeah. That's also great. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, then yeah, the zippered peel banana. Is this mm-hmm. where the, the gag with the flowers is as well? Does he feed flowers to the horse here or is that later yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah, and then he eats a little bit of the flowers mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That's good enough. Then we have a reveal... That the horse the whole time has been blocking the traffic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's great. And that's just great ex- that to me is like such a, a thing I love in comedy is you start with a very tight focus and then you expand the spotlight mm-hmm. and just keep revealing jokes and jokes and jokes until you get the full picture. Yeah, and yeah. then just play around in that. Yeah, because
1: uh, you start to notice honking horns. It yeah. doesn't. It's not right away in the scene. It builds up. So by the time the camera pans, you start hearing the horns steadily. And we missed a gag before the speakeasy, which was a guy asking Harpo for a cup of coffee and him bringing a full steaming, steaming cup of, coffee, of coffee, coffee out of his yeah. jacket, which apparently was quite a complicated gag to do it's a simple joke but it was hard to to do to get a cup of coffee that wouldn't tip over and, and
0: there's a small th- thing about <clears throat> that which you know it really sets him up as kind of a kind guy mm-hmm. like you know the guy who's down on his luck asking yeah. for something was like yeah it's a joke but mm-hmm. it's also sweet yeah like i'm oh, yeah. sure i'll give you a cup of coffee yeah want a cup of coffee and then
1: goes yeah sure i think there was a steady steady sweetening of his character over time yeah
0: which lets him get away with more mm-hmm. which is smart mm-hmm because uh, Chico isn't a uh, isn't a nice guy. He's a he's a real hard con man. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. He's He's the kind of ah, that guy. Mm. And Groucho is his own like a uh, you know type of thing. <laughs> but so having someone sweet,
1: sure, yeah, kind of
0: gives you gives you more to play with.
1: So uh, yeah, we get the scene. We get the policeman coming out. Policeman play, played by Ben Taggart, who was the captain in Monkey Business. All right. So he also played the theatrical manager in the uh, excerpt of uh, from Alsatia's for the house that Shadows built. Okay. I mentioned earlier that this this scene was was not originally in the script, that was the the original script by this donkey sequence, which was kinda kinda lame. But Johnstone and Harpo uh, created this one as a, as an alternative for it, and I think it's much a, a be- much better idea. Yeah,
0: it makes it work mm-hmm. because again, the sweetness of you like you like Harpo now. Yeah. So when the authority figure is coming and telling him, ah, <laughs> you're like leave him alone. And so when he gets one over on him, yeah, you're you're totally rooting for the yeah, guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, smart. And it's good when the policeman gets uh, trapped in the the cage on the on the dog wagon, and then he pulls down this little sign that says "Police Dog for Sale." That's good. Uh, so then we go back to Huxley College. We're in the president's office where Wagstaff is discussing school policy with a couple of professors.
0: Can I just back up for one second oh, and sure. just say two things? Here's how sweet Harpo is. He plays in this film two things, a dog catcher yep. and a kidnapper, Yep. and he's still the good guy. <laughs> <laughs> two very negative yeah. characters in mm-hmm. almost any other movie you'll see. You don't sure. have a lot of dog catchers that you're like... Good on him. Yeah. You're like, oh, that yeah. guy that don't catch <laughs> it's true. Might as well have him play a truant officer at this point. Yeah. Wait, please continue.
1: Yes, yeah, so we're back at Huxley College. So, Wags, I was talking with some professors whose job appears to just be to agree with everything he says, no matter how contradictory yeah. or silly. Which but is
0: it, really tricky when you've got a guy who everything he is, he's against it.
1: So, yeah, like, yeah. you
0: got all these yes men uh, sure. kissing up to him.
1: And then and the professors, uh, they mentioned Frank's involvement with Connie Bailey, with the college widow. Uh, So then Wagstaff calls to arrange a meeting with Connie Bailey. And at this point, Bear and Pinky arrive with ice, which they place in the safe. And then uh, Pinky warms his hands by throwing books on the fire. Oh
0: my gosh. When he's like shoveling the books in. (laughs) It's horrifying. It's horrifyingly hilarious. (laughs) So good.
1: Wagstaff convinces Bear and Pinky to enroll at Huxley and join the football team. So they sign the required form, but they need to affix a seal. So, Pinky produces an actual seal.
0: Right. Here's my problem. I think that goes on for three beats too long.
1: It does, but here's the thing.
0: Tell me the thing.
1: So, yes, they crawl over the desk and follow it, which seems kind of weird. The original scene was supposed to end with a three chasing the seal. Mm -hmm. Harpo carrying a secretary out of the room. Chico carrying a chair out of the room. And Groucho hanging a sign on the door reading, out to lunch, or no smoking. Okay. And that's how the scene is supposed to end. Uh It's sort of like the sort of weird thing, which I think, like... I think it's slightly better because it kind of gives you like a a conclusion that this is still nonsensical. Right. But the way it ends in the movie, it just sort of stops. Like you have no idea what's, what's happening. What's going to happen now? What, what is, Where does the seal go? Like what happens to the seal? You know?
0: Well, but the guy, ga- okay, here's how it goes for me is Like, uh, you know, what's it need now? It needs the seal, and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but it's like, where's the seal? Where's the seal? Get the seal, okay? So, we now have done where's the seal? Where's the seal? Get the seal now. We got to get the seal, yeah. That musically to me is that's the beat, you know. By that point, you need uh, Chico to been or Harpo to be off and then puts the seal on in that beat, but it's like, where's the seal? 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 We know what's coming, yeah. A seal is about to come on, so when the seal finally comes on, it's just that's fine, but like, if you just had it. You gave too much time for us to come up with the joke that we, that we were going to go see. Uh, okay. And then, so okay. visually, then you need that to be fantastic. And it's yeah. like, that's nah, what we expected. And the seal <laughs> looks like he's uncomfortable. And uh, yeah, what are we going to do?
1: He wasn't a Markspiller fan. And then we go to, the, to a classroom sequence uh, where a professor is teaching anatomy. This professor is played by Robert Greek, who was hives in Animal Crackers, the butler in Animal Crackers. Oh,
0: all right. Mm. I did like hives quite a bit.
1: Uh, Wagstaff doubts his teaching abilities, but the professor is sure his students will bear him out, he says, which then the students bear him out of the room.
0: Yep. It's, uh, this, to me, felt like we're going to stop the movie. We're going to do a sketch for you right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, comes a, here, comes a, here comes a classic.
1: Yeah. Here it goes. Well, that's it. Because just as Monkey Business c- kind of saw a revival of popular bits from Home Again... And, and I'll say she is. Now it's time for a revival of some bits from their oldest, yeah. oldest act of all time, Fun at High School. And so we just get Groucho now is playing the teacher, just like he did in Fun at High School. Sure, sure. And Chico and Harpo are the unreleased students. Right. And,
0: uh, and a lot of, am I, am I getting this word right? Malpropisms?
1: Malapropisms? Yes. Malapropisms? Sure.
0: Yeah. And that's what, uh, that's, that's what Chico's doing. It's the, you know, hey, you're ugly. Hey, I resemble that remark. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's, yeah. It's that yeah. business. Yeah. yeah it's sure. fine. Which yeah. I think, by the way, that was, that was my biggest problem with, with this was I thought, uh, the Chico, uh, the malapropisms were, were badly directed. Mm. Because it was, uh, you know, who can tell me what this is? And uh, you. And then it was this weird close up yeah. of of Chico, and it was like, no, we don't need the close up. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's you're you're break, you're breaking us now. You're not sure. to, you know, The flow is gone, and then it goes back to back to Groucho.
1: Yeah, I thought that a few times when I was watching the film. Um, that's, and I agree with you that I felt like this movie was more directed than the other films. Like like the Marcus Brothers almost need like just wide shots. Yeah, uh, with very Stand few close ups. Back. Yeah.
0: If you got a cut, that's fine. If it's but a cutaway, make, yeah, that's fine. But if it's fine. a cut to uh, Chico, he's got to be the same size as Groucho. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it's jarring, mm-hmm. and just that small little thing takes yeah. you out of it. Yeah. And it also is like gags are coming. It's just like <laughs> no, just you got to keep the rhythm going, and the rhythm was off there.
1: Yeah, yeah. It could be. Yeah, I don't know what. I don't know why. I, not, I was going to give a suggestion, and I don't think it's true. The move, the scene ends in a pea shooter battle. Yep. Between and then it's abruptly uh, ends. Chaos. This ends in chaos. The thing was originally supposed to end with Groucho being defeated by the pea shooters, then being carried out on a stretcher saying, bury me near a radio. I don't want to miss Amos and Andy. Which so That's a good gag. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I, wish I also
0: thought... liked uh, the, the running gag of the sexy lady poster. Oh, I love that too.
1: Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to mention that. so yes, that's great. So after that... Also, scene... by the way, Sorry.
0: that's what a sexy lady was back then.
1: Was well, a... I don't think so. I think that was already an archaic... Oh, was it? Yeah, it was already oh, okay. an, an archaic print. That's sort of the joke, is that it's not... not Currently sexy, but it's old-fashioned sexy. Okay. And I always love that whenever Harpo hangs it, he always lifts up the little tab, which is nothing. It's just where the calendar would have yeah. hung on the post originally. He just always looks underneath it at nothing, and it always seems rather thrilled by it. Oh, I saw that thing that's hidden by this tab. So we return to Connie Bailey's apartment, uh, where she receives a phone call from Frank, who is about to visit. It's always nice to phone people before you come. Uh, Jennings is with her, and we learn that they are in cahoots. We learned that Jennings has a big bet on the game between Darwin and Huxley, and wants Connie to obtain Huxley's football signals from Frank. Jennings puts on his coat, revealing the Harpo or Pinky hiding in the coat rack. Who then, for whatever reason, puts a I think it's a lily. puts a, It's a big flower anyway. That he puts down the back of his coat as as the professor's putting on his, as you said, giant fur jacket that was yeah. all the rage in that that time. And no apparently, what the temperature was. Yeah, apparently like. <laughs> those schools were very cold places. I guess because they're hallowed halls. The hallowed okay. halls of this school, so they're just cold because they're hallowed. Yeah. They're hallowed out.
0: Again, if anyone knows what what time those jackets went out of fashion, yeah, and like or if they actually were in fashion, yeah. let, uh, let us know.
1: Well, it certainly is a joke of that time period, to ha- yeah, to have the characters with, with the pennant, the giant raccoon fur the, coat. Be- the beanie. And then... I don't know if it was a raccoon fur coat. I know that they had raccoon tails on their car and car antennas. Yeah.
0: I want to say it's a raccoon coat as well, but it isn't really. Yeah. Uh, it's, but it is a fur coat.
1: I can't imagine that many raccoons being <laughs> perishing to make those jackets. Yeah. But anyway, our coats. And then, uh, yeah, then they had the pork pie hat that was like a flattened pork pie hat was also the common thing. And I guess that was all the rage uh, of college wear at one point. I remember reading a, a Robert Benchley uh, article or essay. And it was, it was basically like a, a dial or a, a little playlet. Uh, of a bunch of students writing for this the college paper the college humor paper and so it's a lot of stuff like come on you guys let's get serious about this you know and then one character going you know vote audio Ah, as enough of that cut it out frank you know we got to get this stuff done you know it's it's, it's really great just because it's nothing's funny about it it's just like the most (laughs) pedestrian but it's really quite good in in that way So anyway so we're in connie bailey's apartment uh some plot yes so Jennings, as I said, Jennings leaves with a large lily sticking out of the back of his, his fur coat. Yeah. Frank enters and goes to fix uh, he and, and Connie a drink. And then Wagstaff arrives. Once he confirms Connie's identity, which takes a little rigmarole, he enters the room, takes off his rubbers and puts up his umbrella, which he then leaves on the floor. Very obvious kind of sexual un- uh, entendre, I think. Rubbers, obviously, being oh, one. Because okay. uh, those are what you call those sure. rubber gum shoe- overshoes. And there's an umbrella I'm not quite as certain about, but I guess as a phallic image, an erect umbrella. I don't, I don't know. know. I have no idea. Let's just say that I'm surprised it passed the censors. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, Hayes got rid of all umbrellas. Yes, yeah, that's them. right. Yeah, the umbrellas. People can't be exposed to those umbrellas. Know.
1: <laughs> he tells Connie to give up his son and then begins to aggressively flirt with her. Poor Thelma Todd in this, this sequence. She is manhandled. Not as much as as, as she could have been. Um... So then there's a knock on the door, and Wagstaff quickly exits, taking his rubber overshoes and his umbrella. Pinky enters, carrying a large block of ice, which he then hands to Connie. She, of course, angrily returns it. You know, says, I didn't order this, and hands it to him. Then he then throws it out the window, exits the room, walking over the couch, of course, and out the door. Wagstaff returns once again, removing his rubber overshoes and putting up his umbrella, and then sits in Connie's lap, which he could sit in forever, or could sit in all day if she didn't stand up, he says. Then, uh, Frank enters with drinks and finds Wagstaff making time with, with his, with his, uh, girlfriend. I don't really know what the relationship mm, is. Yeah. yeah.
0: With well, his dodo deo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so then Wagstaff quickly gets rid of Frank by uh, f- faking him out of the door and then puts a lan- lantern, uh, leaves a lantern burning in the window for his return, which is kind. And then we have, uh, Baravelli. Oh, there's another knock on the door. Sorry. And then Wagstaff yep. leaves again. Taking his rubber overshoes and his umbrella with him, and then Barovella enters with a block of ice that he claims he found outside, <laughs> handing it to to Connie. Outrage, she throws it back at him, and he then takes it and throws it out the window again. <laughs> then he jo- joins her on the couch and begins to, uh, well, some more aggressive flirting. Let's just say that a lot of a lot of uh, fake fake Italian leaning on someone quite heavily, and then Weissfach uh, then joins them on the couch. Uh, but it does little to stop Bear Valley. I don't know
0: why I'm blanking on this scene. Like, you know, I know, uh, yeah, I'm wondering if the version I, I have has uh, some stuff missing. But okay, continue, No, place. it would be the
1: same. Well, see. Sure. Harpo, or Pinky, enters again with, yeah. with another block of ice, which he doesn't bother giving to him when he just takes straight to the window and throws it outside. Okay. Well, you know, he's learned. He's learned his lesson. That's, oh, where, the, sure, that's sure. where ice goes, out the yeah. window. At this point, Jennings enters, and appears to be outraged to find Wagstaff and Bear Valley there, which is strange because... Doesn't he know who Wagstaff is? Doesn't he realize she could easily get the the signals from him just as well as from Frank? But anyway, he's but outraged. But doesn't
0: he? Okay, but doesn't he have to fake that because he can't let Wagstaff oh, know I, that uh, I he guess. wants the the signals there? So he's got I to get, pretend to outrage if nothing else.
1: I guess. I guess that's true. So Beverly claims to be Connie's singing instructor, and Wagstaff claims to be the plumber. Yeah. Uh, then Baravelli and Connie retire to the piano where Baravelli sings a jokey version of after Everyone she says, sings first. Yes, she sings And then, then like, scales. how about you don't sing? Yeah, how about right. I sing? Yeah. And then after, how about I don't sing? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, so he
0: sings the jokey version, his version of, uh, you know. Everyone uh, Says, says I, I Love You. you. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And then he plays, he does his piano specialty. Which is great. Of course, it's always great. But you know what? This was another film where they wanted to take it out. They wanted to take out the harp solo, and they wanted to take out the piano solo, and but both Groucho and 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 harp, or sorry, but both uh, Chico and Harpo were always heartbroken at the idea that their piano and harp number would be taken out of the movies. So, so for some reason, they always relented. And...
0: Yeah, I got to say with this one though, they didn't. Uh, I don't think they shot the piano as well as they have in previous films. Like, is it's just a yeah. it's just a beauty to his fingers, and like close up on it. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and and this is where I was complaining before of close ups. I think in this case. Yeah. Some close-ups. Yeah. There's too much of like seeing her uh, uh, reacting.
1: I did like that actually. I really liked seeing her enjoyment of it because she seemed to be like legitimately enjoying, it, not acting, enjoying it. Sure. I just yep. she looked like she really was thrilled to watch him play. Sure. There are two ways to go with yeah. that, and yeah. that is one way.
0: Absolutely. I, I enjoyed that. And again, you know, we are leading to the to to a gag near the end where you do get to see that she actually is genuinely finds these three guys attractive in different ways. <laughs> yes.
1: Um. So so, where are we in this? Uh, Wykstaff White, uh, and Bear Valley then leave as Jennings threatens them, strangely still not realizing that one of them is the president of Huxley College. So, the sequence... Well, he's not
0: wearing his uh, robe, is he? Is he? How's he dressed?
1: No, he's not wearing his robe, but you think he would know who the president of Huxley College oh, is. Oh, that's the only thing that
0: makes you a, a president is a robe.
1: <laughs> okay. He doesn't even have a beard, <laughs> weirdo. <laughs> So the reason that Harpo doesn't get a turn uh, flirting with Connie Bailey is because it was cut out of the film. It was censored because he uh, he did a headstand in, in Thelma Todd's lap. Oh. And then he also hides behind her, putting his arms through her, and he acts as her arms for part of it. Oh, okay. And then his rubbers end up on his uh, – Groucho's rubber overshoes end up on his feet. Um, And then originally the Marx – the original idea was the Marxists would exit via the window – Harper ready to catch Grocer with his dog catcher's net. But then he gets distracted by a dog, and Grocer just lands on the <laughs> ground. So we, cut, we go back to college. This is the locker room after football practice. Yep. Frank informs his father that he has brought in the wrong players. if uh, then asks Barevelli to kidnap Mullen and McCarthy to prevent them from playing in the big game. Sure. Barevelli is then approached by Jennings with some sort of proposition, but Barevelli turns him down, letting him know that he will be too busy kidnapping Mullen and McCarthy. Yeah. Jonathan offers $500 to Bear Valley for the signals, and Bear Valley sells him Darwin's signals. Yeah. And when he objects, he says, I, I got to make paid. a... Yeah, I Yeah. I pay 200 for him. I got yeah. a little profit. That's right. Yeah. An example of that kind of con con man element you are talking about.
0: Then, I always wonder back then, like, how much is $500 back then? Because it just feels like, that's a lot of money.
1: I'm sure it was a lot of money. Yeah. It's still a lot of money.
0: You're right. It is a lot of money.
1: <laughs> like, if I had a $500 fine, I would really... Understood. Work. But if you're an Iceman...
0: Yeah. In the early 30s... Yeah. And you get five hundred dollars. Yeah. How much money is that like? I have feel no like now, Yeah,
1: yeah. This would have been during the depression, so probably inflation was quite high. So money mm. probably, money probably was not didn't quite go as far as uh, it might have done later, if you know what I mean. Okay. Just because of you know the fact that everything was a mess. Okay. So then we have Pinky serenading Connie. Sweet scene again from beneath the Winter. Yes, very nice. He plays a beautiful rendition of "Everyone Says I Love You" on the harp. I really enjoyed that version because. Often when he plays the harp songs, I don't know the songs very well, so I don't know what he's doing. I don't know, you know, where the song goes or you know and stuff. So it was interesting to to see his own additions and things that he did to kind of you know f- fancy up everyone mm-hmm. says "I love you" on the harp. So you could see how he how he played and things, because he had his own unique style. He was self taught as a, as a harp player. Oh, all right. He never took any lessons as a young man. He just just taught himself to play. He had a unique tuning for the harp because he tuned it himself he didn't know how to tune it so he just tuned it to wow. ear. and so yeah everything he did he just did you know kind of by by his own understanding of the harp But he did take lessons later in life but he never really changed his playing style for the films because it would have you know it was it had basically become his style by that right. point you know
0: doesn't the harp look difficult
1: it does look very difficult. I was like, how do you know? How do
0: you know when you're reaching out that that's the right mm-hmm. string? Like, it's, they all look the same. Yeah. How do you know that the 21st one is, is the right one instead of the 22nd? Yeah. How do you know to grab that one? Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing.
1: It is amazing. And then and it's a very flexible instrument as well. I mean, you, allowing for like that sort of where you play it and just let the, the notes kind of come over, you know, sort of bury each other. Right. Or you can pluck it so you're getting very... Short, mm-hmm. sharp notes, stuff like that. And one thing they don't show you is that harps have pedals like a piano. Yes. So you can have sustain or you can you can take off the sustain and have this sh- short, sharp notes and things. You don't really see that part usually when harp was playing. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then Jenny's enters and Connie reveals that she's wearing the most revealing My lounging gosh. outfit I've no ever seen. No kidding, eh? When she stood up, I was like, whoa. What is this a crochet? yeah <laughs> the only thing it only places that it's covering yeah, you is, might it, be
0: wearing a shadow
1: yeah <laughs> it's amazing yeah you go oh this movie's pre-code huh
0: yeah yeah you know who else is code her in that uh, outfit
1: yeah yeah there you go oh, i got you pretty you're saying she's pretty code
0: I, i'm saying she needs some duck soup
1: <laughs> love that duck soup um so jennings tells her that he wants her now to get the signals from from wagstaff okay
0: use romance
1: yes use romance so we cut to wagstaff and connie in a boat, Wagstaff serenading Connie with a cynical "Everyone says I love you" on his guitar, while she rose. Yeah, it's, it's a great, really great, it's a great image. It's great. Oh it's yeah, it's a, it so
0: is good. It is a really good image, and it, it's, they're being followed by a duck or a swan. What am I? It's what, a duck. It's yeah. a duck. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a trained duck, or was that just good luck? Was there? A, I think it's a trained duck. Yeah. Oh, it's a good trained duck. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a great it's such a great image, and yeah, the at this point we've heard the song so much that getting the Groucho version at the end
1: yeah Fantastic. yeah it is great and it's also really fun to watch him play the guitar yes because he's actually a pretty good guitar player
0: and then seeing him throw it in the water is also so, that so, just yeah. made me laugh yeah yeah hard. yeah just <laughs> throwing a guitar in the water <laughs> yeah yeah
1: uh so then they they end up getting in a tussle on the boat when she tries to uh take his the football signals from his jacket right. and and she falls in the water
0: right well first of all uh one one of the uh, one of the sets of that signals that's already right. uh, goes, yeah. and he's like, "I always keep a second set." I uh, it's something about like uh, being the first time I've been in a boat with only one one girl. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and does she baby talk him first?
1: Oh, that's right. That's
0: right. That the only thing I think sequence. that doesn't uh, age well is the "I'm going to kick your teeth in." That well, just no, yeah. no. That's no good. Yeah, that's no good. But uh, you know, it, again, you're right. It's <laughs> of the it's of the era. Yeah, uh, and uh, uh, not a great part of the era. That that just feels like that that was meh meh. I'm going to be the duck on this one and go meh on that, but then yeah, the rest is good.
1: I guess I guess I'm not as woke as you. It didn't really, it didn't really bother me. Not. It felt it's, like it it's, was. It's, it's a bad joke. It felt like he was playing the kid back to her kid. So, yeah. So I didn't really bother. It didn't really. I mean, if he'd said it to her as an adult, you know, in his own voice, I think it would be much. It would be would be bad. It would be worse sounding to me. But saying it to her in like a kiddy voice back, I don't know. You're probably right. It wouldn't really play nowadays. You wouldn't want to use that joke nowadays. Um, so yes, they end up fighting. Yeah, and then uh, she falls in the water. And then of course she's calling help, help, throw me a lifesaver. <laughs> so he reaches in his pocket for the most strangely obvious gag in the world, but at the same yes. time, not one that you would think that they would do.
0: One of the yeah, that to me was that's a that's a that's a an okay gag. Yeah. But that they took the time to do a close-up. Yeah. So you saw the label. And but it's not even the
1: full label. That's the weird part yeah, of it. Yeah, it's like
0: it's a half-finished yeah. half lifesaver. Like we all know what lifesavers and are. It, and then he just throws in it, It's like, yeah. yeah, throw me a lifesaver. All you need is to do is reach in his pocket, pick one out, and throw it. Yeah. Full shot. Yeah. And you'd be fine. Yeah. But like the, you do the close-up. Mm-hmm. The beat is now like, oh, but we know what you're doing. Oh, uh, sure. there it goes. So it's, yeah, and it doesn't quite work.
1: The original ending for that scene was supposed to be <laughs> him jumping in the water and then rescuing the duck. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but probably probably Grouch didn't want to jump in the water, so that scene got
0: yeah, it's got it's got duck in it. Yeah, sounds good.
1: So then we have a, another great sequence in the film, <laughs> a real duck soup. Yeah, duck <laughs> soup. Is that what you said hmm? uh, Pinky and Bare arrive at the apartment of the Darwin. <laughs> okay, football player. Once that... again,
0: we are rooting for the kidnappers.
1: <laughs> I think this is a great scene. <laughs> it is. It's a great scene. So uh, pretty soon, I mean, they go in, and then pretty soon, they're obviously outmatched by these two yeah. giant hulking men uh basically they become the captives of maul and mccarthy right
0: uh this is the scene where Chico ends up on the couch doing a lot of commenting yeah while watching uh harpo yeah. you know getting yeah. angrier, angrier yeah, and angrier yeah, and just like was... lightly slapping them and then getting <laughs> double punched in the face
1: that was great yes that's fantastic i love that face i can never like he's done it since the coconuts if, you, if we watched all the movies we've seen him do that face in every movie yeah and yet in every movie, it's great.
0: Now, when you're saying that he uh, had the sore ribs and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff, he when he gets stripped out of his uh, suit.
1: I think that's, a, I think that's, that's a, a stunt double. Stunt double, yeah.
0: Okay, because that is some yeah. aggressive business, but it's mm-hmm. but it's great because then the next thing is, and now you too, and Harpo just takes the whole outfit <laughs> off at once. Yeah. Just ready to go. It's like, <laughs> that's well, again. Yeah, but at that point. Good joke.
1: Yeah, it just seems like. By that point, his costume is just rags. Like, there's just nothing left of any of the things that he. And I think. I, I'm curious now, I think by the time they get to MGM, maybe maybe even the next film, I think there's like been a uh, refreshing of the wardrobe, so his, his overcoat is less less like a, just a rag that he's wearing. By this point, it's like he's wearing draped a curtain on himself. Well, even
0: his uh, underwear is uh, raggedy compared to <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, chickens. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, he's just a dog catcher and an ice man. He's got two jobs. He's got two jobs. He should but be able to afford has, more underwear.
0: You know, he should be able to afford it because he wins at everything. He's got tons of money. <laughs> true. He doesn't pay for a drink.
1: But he just gives it away. Oh, that's true. We know that stuff. a cup
0: of coffee and puts them in
1: his outfit. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so They
0: put him upstairs?
1: Put him upstairs. They saw through. Saw they through come to the, the floor. floor. Great yeah. visual. Yeah. Uh,
0: now, here's the, here was something... But
1: where did They repeat the gag, though. How so? Well, they, they, they put them upstairs. They, remember, they, they chase him upstairs. They yeah. lock them in the room. Yeah. Harpo and Chico sit on the floor. They saw themselves out. No one explained where they got the yeah. saws from. Then oh, they fall yeah. through the floor, down back down into <laughs> Mullen and McCarthy's apartment. Yeah. So then they... Re-lock them in that apartment. Then they leave. They don't take away the saws apparently because then, then <laughs> Chico and Harpo saw again through the floor, and then they fall down into the ladies into the bridge game the ladies are having down below in their okay, apartment. Okay,
0: you know what? I'm gonna watch this film again. I think we might have had different versions. Huh. Sincerely, I don't yeah. I don't remember that in that my my memory of the scene. Did ending. you watch
1: your library copy or did you? No, watch? I
0: watched uh, the Blu-ray. That's that what was. I watched too. Okay, because uh, oh, this is weird. You must have fallen Cause, asleep. Because uh, no, here's how I remember the scene ending. and I remember yeah. it ending weirdly. Uh, because uh, Harpo is crying. Yeah. Now, does he saw after that?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: My, I'm remembering it just ending after he's crying and it goes to the next scene. And that, what's the next scene though? I I forgot what the next scene is. Because they
1: because they remember they they crash down into the ladies' party. No. Uh, I don't remember. Chico that. grabs someone's hat or something like that, and 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 Harpo grabs a, a scarf off of a woman. Then they run down the stairs. Harpo jumps into the into the garbage wagon, the horse drawn garbage can, and and. Chico jumps on a bike and then they ride off to the football game.
0: Okay. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just having blackouts. But I remember that scene ending, and again, I'll watch it again. Yeah. Uh, with Har- with Harpo crying and then it went to like another major scene. Mm. And I thought, what a sad ending to that mm. scene. I don't remember him sawing through the floor. Wow. I will I will look at it again tonight yeah, and see yeah. if I'm incorrect about that, because that is very strange to me.
1: Yeah, I saw it. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, like I said, they steal, they steal their little the bicycle and the garbage. They reach the game and get dressed for the game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wagstaff gives a rousing speech to the other team because his own team won't listen to him. Right. Then there's just a bunch of gags. There's a ton of gags, uh, football-related gags. There's two things. Well, there's one thing I thought was great, which was uh, it goes to announce the uh, birth of a child to the Moskowitzes. Way to go, Mr. Moskowitz. <laughs> yeah. And then, twins. Uh, twins. That's right, yeah. And then, uh, But what was weird in that sequence was they had, like, one crowd sound. And this kept using that crowd sound over and over again in that sequence. Because yeah. it would just be this kind of, and then it would just go back down again. And it kept having the same rise. And I was just like, huh. oh, I guess I only had one crowd sound for this sequence. There's a lot of uh, gags. Uh, the business of the game kind of haphazardly progresses following none of the accepted rules of football. Like, there's sure. there's no no rules to this game. Like, yeah. just whatever, whatever, well, that's whatever. that's the world we're in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have Pinky Attaching the elastic to the ball, and and then he jumps. And the in, referee
0: not seeming to care. Not seeming to care.
1: And then, and then most outrageously for me as a as a football fan is when they're he races to the end zone in, in the garbage wagon, which counts. That can't count as a as a touch as a touchdown. Which also
0: looked like a Ben Hur situation yeah. chariot. It yeah.
1: great. it might have been a reference to that. And then uh, and then they do that outrageous thing where they're taking the the footballs out of the yeah. out of it and just placing them on the line, and they keep getting more and more points. I was like, this is not how football works, people. That's outrageous.
0: Do you know what you would hate? A Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. No, I wouldn't. Um, so the film ends. The film ends with a wedding.
0: Yeah, they win the they win the game. They, they, win, do the they win the game. Yes, they yeah. win the game.
1: Good, and that's that's <laughs> but, it. But who cares? We don't. Yeah, we Doesn't don't matter. see like any results of this. What? Yeah. There's no like. Ha, in your face, Jennings, I won the bet or whatever. You yeah. The yeah,
0: bad guys aren't upset. Yeah. yeah nothing happens. No. It just, it's chaos, it's just, chaos, chaos. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you're right. There's a, there's, a, there's, there's a little scene at the end and it's, you can describe it if you'd like.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. little scene at the end with the, with, uh, with, and the, with the, with bridal music with the da, 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 And, uh, there's the three Marx brothers in, in, uh, tux- in their tuxedos, I guess. And then yep. Connie Bailey in her, in her wedding gown. Yeah. She says, I do. And then all three Marx Brothers say, I do. And then, they, and then they proceed to jump on top of her. Sure. And that's the end of the movie.
0: Yeah. So here's my question about that.
1: Can um, I just say one thing before you say that? Please. Which is that the original ending of the movie,
0: <laughs>
1: and they, they filmed it because there are stills of, of, these, okay, of the scene, right. is the Marx Brothers playing poker while the college burns around them. <laughs> that sounds better to me.
0: Yeah. I will agree. Here's my problem with sure. this. Uh, I get that there's chaos and football and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, I clearly saw at the beginning of the film where it said the four are Marx brothers in. Yeah, and yeah, Zappo's yeah. And was the guy that starts like realistically romancing her. Mm-hmm. Then they all have a little romance with yeah. her. But yeah. then it's only these three at the end. Mm-hmm. Why? Just have all four of them. He's too young. The gag, the gag still works. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you can't marry someone if your dad's also married to her. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Oh. That doesn't that's, really work. Oh, you know it's terrible. That's mm. now his mum. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh it's a disturbing day the next day for zeppo oh my stars that might realistically be why the thing you can't marry the same person as your dad mm-hmm. there's only so far we can go with this yes, idea yes but it just was weird that like the whole thing it's was so like weird. romancing him and mm-hmm. then you know he's in the football match he's there yeah yeah uh you know he's a handsome guy and uh, then uh <laughs> then a whole bunch of nothing at the end there yeah yeah
1: it's just, it just seems like why can't they end a marks for their movie
0: and it's the whole thing okay here's my other question her deal is, is she just conning them through the whole thing? Because she wants to get information and all this kind of stuff, or is she actually attracted to them?
1: Yeah. We don't know.
0: We don't know because she reacts the same way to Chico as yeah. she does to Groucho. But yeah. when she's doing the thing with Groucho, because, you know, and he's he's not buying it, uh, he, she's trying to seduce him to get something. But yeah. was she doing that with the other fellas as well? Mm. And if so, at the end, well, why is she marrying these guys? Yeah. Like, I get that it's a joke about, you know, that's just the three of these guys getting married. I understand. Yeah. But even in the internal logic of the joke.
1: <laughs> yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any and sense. And what's to it me. got to do with college? Yeah. Yeah. I prefer I prefer the a, a, playing cards and the and playing the, cards. Well, the, uh, yeah, well, the, and it's interesting still. Yeah, you just see them sitting there and then all around them, the, the, the okay, college uh, burning. Okay. All
0: right. Uh, playing cards. Is Zeppo part of the cards?
1: I don't No, I don't, don't remember if he's just in the, the three scene. of them. Maybe okay. just be the three of them. All right. Because, you know, the problem for Zeppo is the problem for any fourth person in a scene like that is that where does the fourth person sit? Like, normally in a card table, you have a person set at each end of the table. But when you're filming something, you don't want someone sitting with their back to the camera. And so, it, the three people situation makes more sense, you know, for in terms of how you'd have to film it. I don't really... Like, I don't know how... Like, I don't know what they planned. Like, no one knows what they're... Pl- like, like how yeah. that sequence worked. Like, what, what led to them burning down the school and stuff like that. Like, that's... But yeah, that, that kind of... That kind of, like, crazy madness. That really appeals... As someone who loves the... uh who's one of his favorite fireworks is the burning schoolhouse. The idea of burning down the college while they just sit there playing poker is very appealing to me.
0: Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure that the that outdoor scenes necessarily work great for the Marx brothers. You okay. know, um, Groucho in the boat was still fine because it's yeah. so confined mm-hmm. that it's almost like a little stage in the boat, and that and that yeah. plays out. But the other stuff, I'm just like, well, I'd like to see like a Buster Keaton or a Harold Harold Lloyd or something. Yeah, football. Um, of course, Harold Lloyd. That's football. They're the freshman. Yeah. Freshman. Uh, you know, that seems like their kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it's. It's tough for Groucho to do a lot of the verbal stuff. Harpo, yeah, he does the physical thing. Yeah. Chico, you're saying he can't do a lot of stuff. He can't do stuff. this so yeah, yeah. So it doesn't really give you the, it's not them at their best. No, that's you true. You know, at the end? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not as that. They're guys who are in their 40s Right. who are doing that stuff too. It's not, they're not young, they're not spring chickens. or no, I just assume who are in their, they're in, they're in like that. That era 40s. Yes. Not our era 40s. Like our era 40s is different than that era 40s. I'm oh, sure. We're in our
0: 50s, and we're in the best shape of our lives.
1: Oh, I can...
0: Let's lift some heavy objects just to, just to prove a point.
1: <laughs> Crack. And there goes the piano. Um,
0: but here's what I thought was going to go down. And again, I don't want to be uh, Johnny, here's what you should have done. But it felt like what you want Groucho to do is yeah. comment, and mm-hmm. then you actually set that up, which is like... Oh, uh, Professor, would you like to speak? Yeah, yeah. And then he sits down and is like, well, here we go. Now, this guy's going to call the game. Yeah. Perfect. is calling the game. That works great. Harpo's doing the physical stuff. Chico's doing a little thing on the side. Perfect. Nope. Yeah. Just as a quick gag and then leaves. He's like, no, Groucho, this is your thing. Mm-hmm. You got to talk. It's yeah. your bit. Yeah. Eh. Oh, but I also had one of my favorite jokes, which is a simple joke. It's like, is there a doctor in the house? Uh, yeah. I'm a doctor. I like looking the game, doc. <laughs> God damn, that makes me laugh. Just, just dumb. Great. Yeah. So good. good. So so repeated.
1: Yeah. uh, So
0: good. Perfect timing. Beautiful.
1: It is. It's, uh, uh, so, you know, to your your complaint about the football game, I think.
0: By the way, is that the most Bugs Bunny line uh, Groucho's Mm. ever said?
1: Ah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, obviously, who is Bugs Bunny based on? Yep. A lot of Groucho. But then he says Doc. It's just such a. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um. The football game really highlights the problem with not having any plot at all in the film, like you know when we are complaining about the gangster plot in Monkey Business interfering with our enjoyment of what the Marx Brothers are doing, but the the gangster plot gives us some reason for what they're doing. When we get to the football game in Horse Feathers, there's no reason for what they're doing. Like there's no like like you say Harold Lloyd and the freshman and the freshman he is trying to impress someone. By his and he's not a good foot. He's not a great athlete. He, you know, he finally proves his athletic ability in this big football game at the end of the movie. Yeah, and wins the heart of the girl and you know becomes a hero of the school. There's your arc, you know,
0: which is a much more sincere movie. Clearly, sure,
1: sure. yeah. Uh, you know, and there is a there is is a Buster Keaton film called College as well, where there's. This, in that film he's completely inept at sports and can never do anything until at the end of the film when he needs to rescue the woman he loves he suddenly becomes very good he pole vaults over a fence he does all the d- jumps he throws something you know he throws something like a discus yeah. and he does all those things with great skill you know with Buster Keaton like skill uh you know to but in this movie because there's no like end game like there's like the, the end like the 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 the, what the point of this game is, is so, it's so meaningless that we don't even see, like, yeah. the person who lost the game. Like, we don't see the reaction or anything. Like, and there's so. No,
0: there are no stakes.
1: There's no stakes. So it's just a, yeah. a if you bunch win, of, what happens? Yeah.
0: If you lose, what happens? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't seem to, you know, then the college will be disgraced. Yeah. You clearly don't care about the college. Yeah. So, who cares? Mm-hmm. you know did you bet on the other team or or what have you yeah did you, who cares like and and the problem is then what you could do is because there's those two goon guys that really slapped around uh, Harpo and Chico, but the problem is Harpo and Chico we're gonna kidnap them yeah. so there's so that's justified. what mm-hmm. you need now is on this on on the football. Uh, field is you need them to knock over Harpo a couple of times or something, really push him down. Yeah, and yeah. then it's like now Harpo stands up and 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 gets his mm-hmm. own back on them. But these guys were just kidnapped victims that fought back. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I admit they're and a little... they're just
1: playing a game of football. Yeah, so... again,
0: they might be a little corrupt, maybe, but but who cares? Yeah, everyone's corrupt. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. what's that mean? We've already established that. Yeah, in the film that there's no everyone's a crook. Yeah,
0: it's not that everyone's a crook, but well, they are. Except for Zeppo. Everyone's a crook.
1: Yeah. There's think, no one there's no one that's not a is crook. Is Wagstaff a crook? Is Wagstrap
0: a crook? Yes, because he's wait.
1: I don't he, think he does anything crookedly.
0: Well he goes to get football players from the speed. Oh, okay. Uh and then yeah, uh, he hires kidnappers. Of yeah. course he's yeah, a crook. Yeah, there you go,
1: you're right. Yeah, he hires kidnappers <laughs> to get, get the game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when Mullen and McCarthy are playing the game, you're like, Well, it's this football game. Like, they're not enemies, they're just Players, yeah, is This the
0: big game. They're
1: players in another team. But what game is yeah. it? What is game it, is, is it, this? Is
0: it the finals? So,
1: What's th- I yeah, I feel like in some ways I feel like horse Feather, Like I said at the beginning of the show, is sort of like be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Like if you're if your objection to to monkey business is oh too much gangster business in this movie, I want more Mark's feathers. You know, running around in a boat. If they're just running if they're just running around on the boat and there's no and there's no point to it. Like there's no reason for 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 the running around to ever end. Yeah. Then it really starts to just become a big, you know, f- f- uh, fall- falling souffle, I guess, where it's just, you know, it reaches some sort of point. Yeah. Of you get snobs the-
0: versus the slobs, yeah. that's fine. And
1: then, yeah. but once that action is is peaks, it just starts to go back down again. But there's no, yeah, there's no, nothing's happening. You got to keep you know. it up with, yeah, like
0: incredible jokes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it's not the worst movie that ended on a football match. That I went, I didn't want to see this. Uh, <laughs> that'd be Mash still. I didn't oh, care oh. for the football game in MASH. So I was oh. like, why are we having a football game? Oh, that's I, just a little, that's right what, what's this all about?
1: Um, <laughs> that's the whole point. They were building up to that.
0: Yeah, they sure were. That's what we wanted. Football game.
1: <laughs> um... <laughs> But again, there, I mean, it's so not like it's the an odd movie listen. There's here, right? nothing
0: in this that I would go. Well, that was a bad scene. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Like if you took any of these scenes on their own and showed them to me, yeah. in a in a in a montage or yeah. a compilation yeah. or Marx Brothers in a nutshell or what have mm-hmm. you, I'd go. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're. It's just that they don't really hang together. Yeah, it's their own thing. Yeah,
1: because there's just no. There really is no plot. I mean, I know that there's the football plot of him getting the players. But once the play, once he doesn't get the players and then gets Bervelli and Pinky, that's the end of that plot. Yeah. Then the movie just kind of floats along oh. with the with the football signals. This
0: here's the other thing pops
1: up at one point that sure. uh,
0: you know. Again, you don't have to pay off anything that you have earlier, but sometimes it's a good idea to do so. Yeah. So you've got uh, Harpo. Sorry, what's his Pinky? Is Pinky. Yeah. Okay. So you got Pinky. He's hired to kidnap two guys. Yeah. Kid kidnap two guys. Yeah. What do we know about Pinky? He's always got a net. Why does he have a net? Because he's a dog catcher. We watched him catch a cop earlier. Mm -hmm. He trapped him. You're gonna try and trap these two guys. We don't have a net. We don't have anything. You just show up. You try to beat them up. You don't even wear the dog catcher hat. What you've just established that you're this. Yeah. If nothing else, grab a block of ice and hit them on the head with it. Like either (laughs) of your two jobs would be great at this point. But it's just we're just having a scene starting from nothing, leading to really nothing. And I mean,
1: it's a great scene. I love I love the scene. I like that's the thing. I love all the scenes. I you know I really actually really enjoy Horse Feathers. Like I think it's a really fun film. Mm-hmm. As for what it is, but I would I wouldn't argue. I would never argue it as like the best Marx Brother film because I think it really it kind of suffers from from the fact that everyone just thought. You know what we don't need in this movie a plot. Let's just. Let's I'm just gonna, have let's just have some fun.
0: I'm going to say something else that I think is the problem with it, it's actually a more of a movie movie than any of the other movies. Mm. But all three of the other movies, even Coconuts, which is very much a a filmed play, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. It still felt like it had a sense of place. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and this and yeah. this film just keeps moving around, mm-hmm. so you never get that grounded feeling of where am I?
1: Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. I don't think there's besides uh, Connie Bailey's apartment. I don't think there's any sequence where where you are back in a in a, in a no, familiar you have room. No, you have two separate lecture halls. Yeah,
0: you know, with the with the students in the yeah. uh, in the audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm.
1: No, that's a good point. Yeah, I really don't like that. Um, that was my complaint. And this is kind of going off topic a little bit, but that was my complaint about Ash versus Evil Dead. Wow, and, this is going off. I know but it's fine, but because in the second season of that show, I I had they went they go to this they go back to Ash's hometown. But you never get a sense of what, what that hometown is. Yeah. Like, where is it? What is the shape of it? What is, what is, where are the landmarks? Like, what is the, like, where am I? Like, where, where am I in relation to this, to that, to this? Yeah. You never get that sense. And I think that's true with this movie too. You, there's no never any kind of establishing shot of the school. Nope. You never get a sense of where the where There's the buildings are. Not even are. a
0: newspaper that says no, new we, professor yeah, coming right. into town. Yeah.
1: Finally, they figured out a way to to big football match today,
0: all on the line. Says mayor. <laughs> yeah.
1: That would have been helpful. As much as they made fun of that uh, that, that exposition yeah. device, it would have been helpful in this movie to to have some sort of structure to what we were watching and to have a sense of of place like like when they're, when they're on the boat you you know you never you know you never have to know exactly where they are because you know what a boat is like like you have an sure. idea of what an ocean liner is like but when you're in a place like huxley college you don't know what huxley college is you don't know where they are to each other like they go to the you know wherever they are you just don't know what it is they're just like yeah we're stand-alone outside places we're
0: outside with with yeah. uh, pinky uh eating his banana and there's a horse. Yeah. Is that right out of the college? Mm-hmm. That looks like a city street. Yeah. Where where are you now? Yeah. What's going on? I think that was a problem of mine with monkey business too. Uh, You know, we complained a little bit about the ending, which took place in a barn that was just well. But I think it's because you hadn't established the barn, and so we've established the boat. And then when you go to a fancy mansion—sorry, we're talking a little bit about this one again. Then you go to a fancy mansion, and even though we hadn't really established the fancy mansion in the previous movies, we've had fancy mansions. So, like, oh, Marx Brothers in a fancy mansion—I get that. Now we're in a barn. What? Where is it? And this is the climax. Yeah. What? What's this about? It's not no, who that's, cares. That's
1: true. Can Are I there think...
0: cows in the barn? What's happening? Mm-hmm. And then it's chaos and it's uh, at the end.
1: In terms of comedy, it's meaningless. But in terms of plot, like, uh, location is super important. Because like, it gives you a sense of of danger or safety or whatever, you know. Yeah. So if we had cut, if we'd had some people drive past the barn on the way to the party, We'd be like, oh, there's an old barn. So when they get to an old barn, we're like, I guess that's the old barn that we passed on the way to the party. Like, so we have a sense of where it's located. Like, yep. where are they? Do they drive 20 miles? Did they drive 20 minutes? Did they drive 20 seconds? Is it two feet away from the house? Where is this barn? And as
0: much as, you know, we complained about the gangsters. It I would didn't... have been good. Oh, Go, please.
1: Is Chico and Harpo get in the taxi cab. Yep. They drive like 15 feet. Like, So the camera just pans with them to the barn. And then they stop and get out, and then they do the then they do the bit.
0: There we go. We fixed monkey business.
1: But that would have been better.
0: I agree with you. I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, and I have no idea what I was going oh,
1: so to say. I'm sorry. And so your job here you. is done. Well played. Sorry, I drifted you. No, no, it's absolutely it's it absolutely fine. Popped into my head. But
0: yeah, I think that's the thing. You need order, and then you need chaos. Mm-hmm. And the Marx Brothers are the chaos. So the more order that you have, the more they have to bounce off of. Yeah. The more you the more you get to uh, mm-hmm. the, the the payoff is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you want to see them disrupting things, and when everything is like woo, -woo," then uh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, here's what I was going to say: Was there's there uh, as much as we complained about the gangsters, they were they were a clear danger. They've got guns.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they
0: they could get shot. They
1: have they have they're motivated in what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Okay. What's the danger in this one? What's the consequence? Yeah. You know, we went to a speakeasy, and there's never a time where, like, the cops break in at the end and go like, hey, what's going on in here? Yeah, you guys are on a speakeasy. You know, yeah. nothing of like that. It's just like, it's a speakeasy. Everything's fine. Yeah. It's all great. You know, the one time we have a, a cop show up, he's <sighs> easily locked up in a dog a dog thing yeah, by, yeah. by by Pinky, so cops aren't a threat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, now there's these two goons. Oh, boy. Uh, These guys might Nah they got locked up
1: So And it seems like I'm just thinking to myself now Like It would have been great To have the police Come into the speakeasy And then you know They're like Everyone's gonna get arrested Or whatever And then Harpo Puts a coin into the holster And then all the bullets Start pouring out Of the the holsters Yeah That would have been great Like you'd feel like Oh perfect End Mm -hmm. the scene there Yeah But nah Too bad
0: Yeah Anyway They should have hired
1: us (laughs) Yeah we're uh,
0: Thanks for listening to We rewrite the Marx Brothers (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Hindsight uh, feathers. Well, well, that's it. I, uh, and like I say, I think I think when they did this film, that that I mean, the Marx Brothers themselves they regarded movies as as boring to do, just a chore. And 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 they called, but they called it a soft racket because mm-hmm. to them, doing vaudeville that was hard. That was hard work. But doing movies was easy in comparison. You you know, sure it was boring. Yeah, and, easy easier, boring and, and tiring. But you do it once and then you're done. You just go home at the end of the day. You go home at five. You have in in you know, so they their their own ambition is at a low ebb. I think for this film too, you know. So I think it's, it is possible that Groucho, when faced with the the fact that he was supposed to expected to jump into cold water and you know rescue a duck, he said, "No, nah, let's think of a different ending. I'll just throw a lifesaver to her or something." Yeah, you know.
0: It also has his apathy and the, and the whole thing is he is apathetic. Yeah. It's not that he's confused Mm -hmm. or he values things that are not valuable. Yeah. That would be the payoff of rescuing a duck. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's funny, but it's not the joke you've, you've, you've let up. It's the, I don't care about her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she's, she's pitching woo to me and I'm not, I'm not interested. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'll, so throw in a lifesaver at the end. That's, that's a good ending for that. But Mm. rescuing a duck is just like, that's just silliness. That's I that's like in it. fact it's it's you know what I say you like it and that's great that you like it I would say that's a Harpo gag mm. Harpo would jump in to save the duck and okay. the and the girls still uh, yeah, splashing yeah. around
1: yeah yeah well I mean even if you don't like that the duck idea I still feel like the lifesaver does not end the scene like it doesn't end the scene in a way that's strong enough that that we can now segue on a, on a high to the next sequence and that's also what kind of gives this film a a feeling of kind of like sort of sort of lately wafting over you as it as it passes you know because it just doesn't very few sequences end on a big a, you know in a big punch line yeah. before we get to the next sequence so the movie is lacking the movie's lacking direction for, you know like the movie like they're undirected they have no sense of it, whether i think outside of the movie like in the actual reality of making the film there was no overall sense of direction like over sense of overall sense of purpose to the movie they weren't thinking like this is a scary step we're taking because this is our first film that we're making without without the the safety net of of a stage play they they, you know that then wasn't there they're just kind of like we're just making a next movie you know and and we're gonna use the same writers we're gonna use the same you know this and that so a lot of in a lot of ways it was a very safe a lot of safe choices that they made and without challenging themselves and i think that the movie kind of falls apart on that on that yeah it feels aspect. like
0: it would have been this would have been fine if it was a series of shorts you mm-hmm. could break it up make a bunch of shorts sure. put them out there that'd be just as good and tip of my hat still very competently done still funny yeah. scenes but the, i don't know if they all hang together is as i said before
1: i'm i'm still going to give it seven out of ten horses
0: very good yeah all right and uh you know you're a good judge of horse flesh i am a very good judge you're of
1: I am not a far- farrier, but I... You were a farrier. I was a farrier. Well, to be farrier. You were a farrier. I was <laughs> to be farrier. Okay. I. I whoa. What? Sorry? What? Sorry. I just... Somehow I, I i faded out there. Did you have a little flashback there Yeah, for a I just remember it ending with Harpo crying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and a dig on me. Good stuff. Well done, everybody. So, uh, <laughs> folks, we, we, we like to hear from you. Yes. Because by the end of this, we are tired of our own voices. Um, not tired enough that we won't do our other podcast this week as well. Uh, we regularly do a podcast called Sneaky Dragon. Uh, If you want to listen to us talk about anything that's not this, that's where you go to, and we do that one on a weekly basis. We've done two other podcasts uh, that we call Sidecasts, like this one. We did one about the Beatles called Completely Beatles. We did another one about uh, the Tintin comic book called Totally Tintin. Those are also available both on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and our website. Let me direct you to that website. Right now. It's sneakydragon.com. And if you want to comment on this show, that's a good place to do it. We'll have these episodes up, and underneath each episode we have a message board. Uh and if you want to comment there, that's great. If you prefer using email, we're sneakyd at sneakydragon.com, sneaky d at sneakydragon.com, on Twitter, sneaky underscore dragon, and we're also Tumblr, sneaky uh, dragon.tumblr.com. uh we got other ways. You could just come up on a street and go, hey! It was great. What's your problem? You could do that as well. Just yell at us. Absolutely fine. Okay. And remember, if you find a block of ice, immediately throw it out the window. <laughs> People will realize that's a hilarious tribute uh, to this movie. Sure. And uh, next week, not next week, we do this every two weeks, uh, or just if you're listening to them in the far future and you're just listening to them in order, it's immediately after this. If you It's up to you how you listen to podcasts. Well, what's gonna, our next movie going to be, David?
1: Our next movie is going to be The Fantastic Duck Soup.
0: Right, which was shortened later on to just Duck This
1: soup. Duck Soup. I just meant it. It's a fantastic film. Very good. Duck Soup. Uh, before we go, you just forgot to mention that we are on iTunes. And we'd love if you would uh, review us or rate us on iTunes.
0: Thank you so much uh, for people who have been doing that so far. Yeah. And for your kind words. We'll even take unkind words. That's fine. Be truthful. Uh, not too truthful. You don't have to be that tr- Don't be a jerk about it. You know what? Just be nice. Uh, and, so
1: so and, far, all all uh, raves. Uh, from uh, we had a couple of new ones. From one from MPD Machine gave us a very nice review, and then uh, Highland Guy gave us also gave us a nice review. So, so thank
0: you kindly. Really appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate right. that. Thank you. Uh, that helps people to find our show when uh, it's reviewed on iTunes, and that just gets us listened to by more people, and then we do more things, and it'll be it'll be fine. But you know what? You you do you you live your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Please do uh, subscribe to the show, though. That's a good way to get this instantly into your uh, feed every two weeks. Yes. And if you feel like listening to Sneaky Dragon as well, that's up to you. I have to because I'm part of the show. I haven't got a choice in the matter. Uh, but uh, but I do enjoy talking to this delightful man uh, every week and then every other week on this. Uh, we will see you. Right back at you. Oh, thank you kindly. Uh, we will see you next time for Duck Soup.